Welcome to the Branching Path Podcast, Episode 6. I'm your host, Kyle, joined by my fellow host, known internet pervert, John. John, how are you today? <laughs> you know, just perving out. How are you doing? <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, that's good. That sounds like you. So, I'm good. I, um, was I supposed to oh, put pants on for this? No, no. Unless we start doing video, you can wear whatever you'd like. Oh, perfect, perfect. So, are you in the full nude right now, out of curiosity? Well, I am a perv. Ah, okay. Right. I'm an internet perv, so not only that, I have a live stream like facing me. Oh, wow. <laughs> multiple, cool. Multiple camera angles. All right. Do you want to shout out your Twitch channel or just <laughs> let people find it organically? Uh, organic. Okay. <laughs> Otherwise, probably get shut down pretty quick. Uh, all right. Sky, so, <laughs> uh, today's topic is, is probably going to be um, we're going to talk a lot about Persona 5 today because John's been playing that, and that kind of inspired the greater topic, which is missables in video games and the curse of video game completionism, which is something that John and I both share to, to some degree. Um, I do want to start with a quick addendum uh, to add on to the, the talk last week about video game music. My girlfriend was quick to point out that I um, did the Persona series a disservice because it really is one of my favorite uh, you know soundtracks between 3, 4, and 5. Uh, of course, the only Persona games, there is no Persona 1 or 2, as the internet is quick to tell you. Just those three. Um, those <laughs> those soundtracks are among my favorite. Shoji Maguro is a hell of a composer, and I love that he's like a guitarist first and foremost, and you can really hear that on a lot of the tracks. Um, so yes, uh, Girlfriend has been, has been, I was going to say satisfied, but that sounds really dirty. Uh, <laughs> Girlfriend will be pleased with that addendum. Very good. Uh, let's start with uh, the usual topic of, of what we've been playing. Um, I'll start us off today, John, if you're cool with that. Yeah, go for it. Okay. Um, so I've been playing three games. Persona 4 Golden, because, John, you inspired me with, with your Persona 5 chat um, throughout the last couple of weeks. I also I bought Sorry. Fist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, don't, don't apologize. <laughs> I, I, I enjoy Persona 4 Golden, but we'll get into some of our extended thoughts there. Um, okay. I, I bought Fist, which is short for Forged in Shadow Torch. So I've been, I've been fisting occasionally. I always um, knew you were a fister. I'm glad you yeah. admit that to yourself. <laughs> well, and, uh, you've inspired me. In, we talked last time about how, you know, growing up, you were always a bit older than me, and you inspired me a lot. And you are a known internet pervert, so eventually, inevitably, it led to fisting. Uh, now you're so, wearing that fisting openly on your Steam account, right? Yeah. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Uh, yeah. So I've been fisting, uh, and I've also been arising um, shortly after I fist, usually. <laughs> Uh, so I've been playing some Tales of Arise as well, so I'll, I'll talk about all three, but I'm going to start with um, with Fist, because so it, it's currently a PlayStation 5 exclusive, I believe. I don't think it's on PS4. Um, it's uh, it's made by a little Chinese like indie, indie studio, which is not something you see very often, and it's got like a full English translation with voice acting and everything. Um, hmm. I'd say overall, it's a good game. It's a kind of a Metroidvania in style, so it's a lot of, you know, you have your access to the map, you have some areas that are gated off by not having particular moves available to you yet, that kind of thing. Um, it doesn't break the mold there in any respect at all, really, but but it's it's a pretty competent Metroidvania um, with a cool style. It's, it's very, like, um, uh, cyberpunk-inspired. It reminds me a lot of Midgar from Final Fantasy VII. Uh, very mm -hmm. dark, very grungy kind of futuristic city. Uh, I guess I should mention that you play an anthropomorphic rabbit, and all of the characters in the game are anthropomorphized animals, um, just a stylistic choice. It doesn't really have a huge um, impact on the story or, or anything like that, but but it's it's interesting. I wouldn't say I'd, I'm really for or against it. It doesn't really yeah, improve the game or, or it doesn't you know hamper it stylistically. It's just a, a choice they made. Um, 
But if you ever look up this game, you'll see a big rabbit with a, a mechanical fist on his back. So don't let that scare you. That is the right game. Um, combat's pretty good. Like I'd say, it plays pretty well overall. Um, I think my most, like my most, my biggest criticism is it feels a little bit uninspired, uh, and that it doesn't really break the mold anywhere. Uh, but again, it's overall a pretty competent, fun Metroidvania. Uh, I, I probably put four or five hours into it, and I maybe like. 25-30% done, uh, according to the, the percentage that it gives me when I start the game up. Uh, so it's got decent length to it as well. Um, i definitely say worth checking out if you have a PS5 and you want to try a new um, Metroidvania game and support a little indie studio. So uh, cool. I haven't finished yet. I'll, I'll, I plan to, so I'll, I'll kind of let you guys know more about Fist next time we chat. But um, I've been playing Tales of Arise quite a bit more. I, I wasn't going to get it because I've got so many other games I want to play right now, but the the hype around this game was pretty huge online. Um, tons of positive press. It, it reviewed super well. I have not really been a Tales of fan for a long time. Um, even in revisiting Symphonia and Vesperia, my two historical like favorites of the series, because I played those when I was a teenager or a bit younger even, um, I didn't find either of them held up particularly well, particularly from a story standpoint. Uh, they were pretty, in my opinion, like cliche cringy anime stories, um, especially upon my recent revisits. So I was kind of hesitant with Tales of Arise. I wasn't really, I wasn't very optimistic that they were going to pull off some some great JRPG, you know, return to the heyday of awesome awesome games. But I, I've, I've put, I think, just over 10 hours into the game so far, uh, and I'm really, really enjoying myself. I, I told you yesterday, John, when we were chatting, that the story hadn't really blown me away at all. Um, that it was kind of, I don't know, by the numbers. Again, it wasn't really breaking any ground. But in my right. PlayStation PlayStation yesterday, there was actually a pretty cool little plot point that I, I didn't see coming and I thought was pretty well executed. So I'm hopeful that there's you know more surprises in store and that they'll have some powerful moments going forward. Um, cool. I was watching uh, Epic Name Bro on Twitch the other day. He's a streamer I'm a big fan of. He's been around on the internet for a long time. And he was talking about... Um, uh, like JRPGs in general, especially like more modern ones. Um, but I think just in general for the for JRPGs, for him a huge thing is having a world that he actually likes to explore and wants to see more of. Uh, and I think that's that's really high on my list as well. Um, and I think Tales of Arise so far, it starts out pretty weak in that in that kind of barren desert area where everything's on fire. Like it's just kind of a weird first setting and not particularly interesting to look at. Uh, but as it's opened up a bit more, I've, I've quite liked the world and what they have to show me. So I'm excited to see all these cool new fantasy settings, and I hope that they can keep up the the very positive first impressions I have so far. Um, John, you played the the demo of it. What, what were your kind of thoughts overall on your little bit of uh, experience with it? I enjoyed it. Combat felt really good. Oh yeah, I hadn't even um, talked about combat. Jesus. Yeah. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. Combat felt really solid. Um, the arts that they give you in the demo, I there's one that was is by default mapped to your square button and or I I mean whatever I was on PC so it, I guess it would be X on my Xbox controller but for the, for that face button that would have you move backwards and do like a double slash and I just could not for the life of me get used to being like using an art targeting an enemy and then moving the opposite direction. I see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that one fucked me up for a while. <laughs> um, but the graphic style is gorgeous. The mm -hmm. character models are great. Combat's solid. 
I couldn't help but immediately find some pretty jank-looking textures. Um, <laughs> yeah, you sent me a good picture of that that pillar. <laughs> the one on the bridge, yeah. 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 I mean, it, it doesn't bother me. I just like to spot these things. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that would not change my opinion one way or another about the game. But the skit dialogue, I could not help but feel it was kind of anime cringe. Um, Alfin, yeah. your, your main character, seems like... I used to work with a guy who's like overly sincere, and <laughs> to, me, <laughs> to me, that's my impression of Alfin right away when he's yeah, talking yeah, that, to uh, he, you know what? Her name Shion. Yeah, Alfin. Alfin is is just he's just a nice guy. Like that's I, that's the best way I can describe him. He's not interesting really at all. He's just a nice guy who was wearing a, a comically like fit iron mask at the start of the game for reasons you don't know yet. Who they they have a quick one off line in one of the skits about how he eats with the mask on. And then she owns like, wow, yeah, you handled that eating really well. And I was like, how? Literally, how did he do it? Show me the logistics of how he eats with it. Anyways, but it, obviously they kind of were just like, we're not even going to try and explain this. Um, I, I am playing with the Japanese voices. Uh, I found it really helped my enjoyment of Final Fantasy VII Remake. Um, not to keep teasing that, but we are going to talk about that at some point. Um, so I decided I was going to do the same with this one because I listened to a little bit of the English cast and... I, I just don't like it. I just think they do a, a bad job of, of making. If there's an if there's an awkward line of dialogue, it's ten times more awkward hearing it out loud. So having a Japanese person shout it at me is way better, and me just reading it and, and moving on. It doesn't it doesn't stick with me. It doesn't take me out nearly as much as hearing, a kind of awkward line delivered awkwardly, right? right. Um, so anyways, the Japanese voices, I think, have helped somewhat with, with the skits because they're all voice acted, which is crazy. There's an insane amount of voice acting in this game. I cannot you know, imagine what kind of undertaking it was to do all these lines. Yeah. Um, but yes, I agree. So, so actually, my I find the skits are a good example of just, like, and we'll actually talk about this with Persona a bit, but with this, like, superfluous dialogue. Like, just shut up for a minute. Stop talking about every little thing that has happened in the game and making it a two-minute skit. Because one, and we'll talk about this in our podcast today, I cannot not view a skit because the completionist in me is like, well, I have to. It's right there. It's going to be added to a list of skits I've seen. God forbid that list has question marks on it. And then I also am not someone who I cannot skip story. Even if it's stupid, like, bullshit skit dialogue, I like, I'm like, I have, it's a disservice to the people who made this to skip the story. And that's what this game is about, right? It's about characters and story and, and, and telling me these things in a, in a well-executed way. So I can't skip it. So if I view a skit, I'm reading every single line of dialogue. And they're, they're just, they're dumb most of the time. I also find that they totally script the pacing or they won't make sense because I'll view a skit after a, a cutscene from the main story. And the skit is kind of referencing something that we've already moved past and all the characters have come to terms with. But it will reference it as though it's they're, they're experiencing it for the first time again. Mm. So it's weird. Like it, it takes me out from that perspective because the character is reacting as though it's new information, but it's not based on what we've all just seen together in the story cutscene. So yeah, the, the skits are they're, they're, they're messy. They're like, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't judge the story of this game based on the skits because... I'd say in general they're they're below average. I'm I'm trying to just I'm treating them as something I have to do. And occasionally there is a cute character moment or something that you know brings a little smile to my face because they try and be a little bit charming. So I'll, <laughs> I'll take them for what they are there. But yeah, in general they're they're pretty mediocre. 
they, even with Japanese voices on, you're finding them pretty underwhelming. Yeah, definitely. Underwhelming is the best word I have for for the skits in this game. Um, again, they they just like they, there's not so much interesting going on all the time that I always need a skit to expand upon it. And, and again, I'm actually finding Shion, the female kind of other main character, the counterpart to Alfen. I'm finding her a bit one note right now. Like there's this weird thing they keep. It's such an anime thing. Her whole shtick is. I'm only helping because our interests aligned. Like, that's that's what I'm going to boil her character down to right now. That's her, like, line she always comes back to. Like, why did, you, <laughs> why did you help that person who needed healing? Don't think anything of it. I only did it because our interests aligned. Like, I'm not a good person. Like, shut the fuck up. It's, so, it's such a dumb, ham-fisted line. Like, nobody would say that. That's, that's such a weird way to communicate. Anyways, but she says it over okay, and over again. Anime. So <laughs> Yes, very anime. So I'm excited for her hard, you know, harsh, cold exterior to break and for her to... For me to realize, oh wow, she actually has a you know heart of gold in there, as though it's not fucking obvious from ten miles away. So we need to anyways. make we need to make a series of memes or web comics where all of her dialogue is replaced with squalls dot 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 whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you heal him? Whatever. Whatever. You know, at least yeah, that, that's also pretty memeable and pretty like cringy. But at least it's brief, right? At, at least you you can always like, oh good, yeah, he's just gonna shrug it off and say whatever. I'm so sick of hearing her say some variation of. I'm not nice. I just happen to have the same goals as this person. That's why. Anyways, I'll stop belaboring the point, but it's pretty cringy. Um, again, as a whole, the, like the whole package of Tales of Arise, I'm actually quite impressed with. I, I'm anxious to play it as soon as we're done this podcast today. I, I, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. So so they've, they've surprised me. I'm, I'm glad I picked it up. I'd recommend it to anyone looking for a modern JRPG because they are pretty few and far between still. Um, you know, we are getting some here and there, but I'd say Tales of Arise is the first one in quite some time, So, and, and definitely worth your time, at least based on my impression so far. Sweet. Yeah. Um, I'll quickly talk about Persona 4, and then let you get into your games, John, but I've been playing Persona just, 4. Just before, we, just before oh, yeah. we continue, I, yeah. I want to add uh, one thing. If you've made it this far listening, um, we are going to have a lot of spoilers today. So oh, true. Like Especially yes. when we talk about Persona 5, I'm going to get into that, so... Yeah, John, you should have waited though, because now people are going to click off the pod when they could have listened to another <laughs> ten minutes of us uh, ranting and raving about some other things. But you're right. Yes, we are going to talk a lot of spoilers today, yeah. um, for sure. So uh, Persona Four, I decided to, to revisit it because John was playing Persona Five, and I kind of had the itch. Um, I, I'm playing Persona Four Golden on on PC because they have that Steam release, which is great. I'm glad that they did that a couple years ago. Um, I have really fond memories of Persona Four, Three and Four. I both played in high school. Um, which I, I maintain is the best time to play these games. I'd probably include five in that because they have such a teenage angst element to them. And the cast is always these high school students being you know, thrust into these these extraordinary circumstances. So it just it just hits differently when you're a teenager. Um, and you can when they say like those stupid adults, you're like yeah, those stupid adults. <laughs> Where now I'm like you fucking idiot kids have no idea what you're doing. Anyways, um, but but. I, I've mostly enjoyed my revisit with Persona 4. Um, I like it actually probably the most out of 3, 4, and 5, just from an all-around perspective. I really like the setting of little small-town Japan. Um, I, I like Persona 5's Tokyo as well, but Inaba just has this cool charm to it, and I like the vibe there a lot. Um, characters are really good. I quite like the cast in this game. Um, some of the... the, the there's like a, One of the characters' his name is Kanji, and his whole shtick is that he's not quite sure about his sexuality. Um, but he's this, like, big, tough, like, macho dude. Um, hmm. 
he's voiced by Yuri Lowenthal, the guy that does Joel from The Last of Us. So it's very funny to see him play Kanji in this game, knowing about his his you know career since then. But anyways, <laughs> oh no, I said sorry, I said Yuri Lowenthal. That's wrong. Uh, Troy Baker, sorry, Troy Baker is the mm, one who does okay. the voice of Kanji. Um, cool. But they don't. I wouldn't say they handle that super well. It hasn't aged great. Um, anyways, that's just kind of a, a side point. In general, the game's fun and I'm enjoying it. But and this is going to kind of tie into our topic today about completionism and, and missables and stuff. I'm playing it with the intention of 100%ing it in my first playthrough, because these are like 80, 90, 100 hour games. So I'm not particularly interested in playing it casually the first time around and then playing a second time with all the benefits of a new game plus to then perfect it, especially because I played it before, right? I beat this back in the day, although I didn't perfect it. Right. And um, the, the slice of life stuff, the, the kind of, you know, the going on social link outings and dates and stuff like that, the raising your social stats, like, I really like that stuff. But when I'm following a guide that has me doing all of the day-to-day stuff at once, and then, you know, it's completely separate from the dungeon element because I have to do the dungeon in one in one visit... There's like big long chunks of, of play where I'm only doing the day-to-day dating social link stuff and then where I'm only doing the combat, for example. And it's definitely starting to wear on me a little bit. I'm kind of not loving the formula quite as much as I remember historically liking it. Um, maybe because, again, I'm imposing this on myself where I have to do the dungeon in one day so I'm not breaking up the sometimes monotonous social links with some combat here and there. Uh, that would be my kind of number one gripe i'd say in general the writing's probably it's definitely stronger than five in my opinion but i'd say it's on par with three i think three and four the writing's pretty strong um definitely some anime cliche stuff but it's it's generally not super cringe um and yeah i i like the persona series that the music it's so awesome to revisit these for that reason alone just sitting here jamming out singing along to the pretty terrible english uh english lyrics and not really knowing what they're saying but yeah it's a lot of fun <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, okay, John. Finally, let me let you have some <laughs> some air time. What have you been playing? So I want to point out. I remember a time when you would sing the Bleach opening theme, Kyle. So <laughs> Miyagata is no Hoshi Tachi. I still know it. <laughs> nice. That's some great recall. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> this <laughs> impromptu music moment brought to you by the Matching Path Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also, really, really quick. I, um, yep. Is is Ichigo the name of the main character from that series from Bleach? Yep. Ichigo, okay, yeah. so Ichigo. Yeah, I, I've been learning Japanese, and I just learned the word for strawberry, which is Ichigo, um, mm. and it has it has no other meanings. I think it's literally just strawberry. So I, I just thought that was interesting. Um, He's yeah, strawberry that was, uh, with an orange hair. Strawberry with an orange <laughs> hair. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, that was super <laughs> random. What you what you been playing? John? <laughs> Uh, so a little bit of that Tales demo, and one thing I wanted to point out there is th- this bothers me in a lot of games is the camera is too goddamn close. Yeah, you mentioned that right away after you started playing it. It's just why do you give me this big beautiful world to look at, and then you have the camera right up my character's ass? Yeah. Did you uh, find dragons- out? I, I didn't look into the settings. Were you able to change it at all? Do you know? Uh, so I looked at the settings. I didn't see an option, and I went and did some reading online um, for the PC version. I didn't see anybody else mention an option, and as I, as far as I can tell, there are no um, mods for it. Yeah, I mean, it just oh, came damn. out. So yeah, yeah. If there is, if there ever is a mod that will bring the camera back a little, or hopefully um, Bandai Namco will just add it themselves. But um, yeah, that's that's my like biggest complaint from the demo, honestly. Um, and uh, Dragon's Dogma was another game where that was a uh, uh, 
giant issue for me. Oh, Look, okay. Luckily, in that game, when you it's it's an action RPG, so when you draw your weapon, the camera zooms out for a, more of a battle. Oh, okay. I guess. Yeah. But my first thought is, if you can do that, why don't you just leave it there, <laughs> <laughs> or give me the option to just set it myself? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, when the camera's that close, I get kind of like motion sick from it. So. Oh, I see. Um, that always bothers me. So I'm hoping they'll add something to to fix that up. Aside from that, it's been a lot of Persona Five, uh, a lot of Dying Light, uh, right after I stopped Persona Five. <laughs> <laughs> right. And a little bit of um, uh, Shin Megami Tensei: Strange Journey. So I when I was in the mood to like revisit, or it had been I haven't like visited the Mega Ten world since Persona Three. So when I bought Persona Five, I also bought Strange Journey. Um, that that's a 3DS game, or just a DS game? Uh, that's 3DS. 3DS. Okay, cool. I think the original was DS, but there was a re-release called um, a Redux or Redo, however you say that, and that's on 3DS. Okay. So I got that one. I played that for a little bit. Um, gonna have lots to say about Persona Five. Um, I'll start with the smaller ones. So it's a strange journey. I, I I'm not very far. I, I intend to stick with it a bit more to see if it, it starts to grip me, but it hasn't done a lot for me yet. Um, I like the battle system. I like the graphics. I like the Etrian Odyssey style dungeon exploration of it. Mm-hmm. But my my biggest issue is the way demon summoning is introduced to the world. Like, because presumably these characters have no knowledge of the existence of demons. You just entered this black hole zone. Within about 10 to 15 minutes of gameplay, I'm encountering my first demons and getting this random app installed called the Demon Summoning Program. <laughs> and then immediately my commander, the Commander Gore, whatever his name is, uh, <laughs> is like, all right, we'll trust these demons and we'll use them to achieve our goals or some shit. I see. Like, there's like, it's immediate from one extreme to the next. Like, I know nothing about them to I trust them implicitly. <laughs> yeah. They are, um, however, going to achieve our, our goals going forward, even though we've just discovered their existence. <laughs> yeah, there wasn't even, like, a scene where... They're uh, examining the app to see if there might have been a little bit of throwaway dialogue about it, but sure. There's like there's like maybe two sentences of we're gonna examine this app and oh I wasn't able to crack it or or yada yada, but let's use it anyway. <laughs> I almost I almost wonder if because they've made so many of these Mega Ten games, they're just like getting sick of having to write the characters reacting to finding out about it. They're like ah fuck it, the players know. <laughs> let's just pretend like this isn't a big deal. Yeah. I, that definitely could be. Um, but, but as a player who does know it, I can't help but be bothered by it. Right? Of course, yeah. No, I think that's a reasonable frustration. Um, and then shortly after that, you get your first demon, which is Pixie, um, which is a great starter. But she's teaching you all about demon summoning from like a human's perspective, as, as if she would know that your suit is capable of these readings or whatever. I right? see. And then okay. she, she gives you the documentation on how demon summoning works. And this is just a gamification of shit that we see all the time. But yeah. it took me right out of it, and I, I put the game down. I haven't been back since. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. So, you know what? I, I actually... I, I'm pretty critical of, of anime in general. Um, I loved it as a kid, but I don't know. Anything I've tried as, as a bit... You know, now that I'm a bit older, I, I really haven't enjoyed. And my, my I think that the best way I can boil my criticism down is this, and I think this applies to a lot of JRPGs as well, is they often have a really cool foundational idea for like the the magic of their world or, or some some gimmick that kind of sets off the whole thing right mm-hmm. these mangaka are really good at coming up with interesting world ideas 
but then I find they're just never executed on. Like they're always handled so like ham-fistedly and with so poor nuance and like that the way you're describing that that mega 10 opening is it kind of fits into that little paradigm if i've created for that pretty well and i'd agree like um little tangent here but one of my favorite mangas of all time is siren spelled p-s-y-r-e-n mm-hmm. um, i've read it multiple times i still enjoy it but uh, uh, in my opinion, terrific premise is really let down as the story goes on by by anime manga cliche crap. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that, that's actually my biggest fear of Tales of Arise, um, and I don't, I don't even know that their premise is particularly strong. <laughs> but yeah, that's my fear is that they they take this kind of kind of cool world idea, and I'm afraid what they're gonna do with it. I hope they don't totally. Uh, to me, Symphonia actually is a very good example of that. Symphonia has a great foundation and cool world premise. But by the end of the game, the story is just complete friggin' anime nonsense. <laughs> yeah. Um, so aside from that, I've been playing Dying Light. It's probably my favorite zombie game. Um, you know, for, for like a, a classic nostalgia, I guess. Resident Evil's up there too. But yeah, um, Dying Light, it's like an open world sandbox survival zombie game. But the story and the characters are actually pretty decent. I find oh, good. The, the voice acting to be really solid. Your main character is named Kyle, so you have to play it. Oh shit! I didn't know that. <laughs> Kyle Crane. <laughs> that's one of the yeah. That's that's on my list of Kyle games. Lunar. The, the reason I like Lunar One so much is because there's a character named Kyle. That's the only that's reason. The only reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the second game you can barely get into. It. I can barely play it because nobody's named Kyle. Brutal. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> but all the Lucias of the world are very happy. Oh, Lucias love Lunar too. Lucias love it. <laughs> uh, so I'm enjoying Dying Light a lot I've played it before, I beat the main story before um, but coming back to it now a couple of years later it still holds up, I'm having a nice. lot of fun oh, good. there's definitely some jank um, I've had a few quests where even though I died as they were being completed um, dying just like brings you back to a safe house it's like um, it's not like a game over right? so the, the state of the game world still kind of continues in some ways but the quest will finish, and I'll be rewarded, and then I'll wake up like across the map at a different safe house. <laughs> <laughs> I, ha- I had one where I had... It, it, this, this was like the most janky moment I've had so far. I ran all the way back to your main hub in the city. Um, it's called... The city of, is Haran. It's like um, kind of Middle Eastern setting. It's pretty damn cool. Um, mm. And the tower is like your main hub. It's a safe zone where the zombies can't get in. So I ran all the way back to the tower because I wanted to turn in some quests, do some stuff. And there's a, a guy offering a challenge there. You can do combat or like agility challenges and get some points towards those skill trees. So I accepted the challenge and it takes you to like an instance version okay. where they, they create some zombies and shit for you to, to, to do the challenge on. Um, I died as I completed the challenge. So because I died, I got the reward anyway, but then I also... Um, I was going to say I lost some survivor EXP, but I don't think that happens in challenges, so I won't say that. But I I died, I got the reward, and then I wanted to get back to the tower because normally when you finish a challenge or you die during the challenge, you're brought back to where you accepted the challenge. But because I died and got the reward that way, I guess, I woke up on the bridge the thing was on. The challenge was on. Oh. I had to run all the way across the city to get back to the tower. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just a, like a. It didn't even bother me too much. It was kind of a funny moment because my whole 
thing I wanted was to go to the tower and do some shit, and yeah. I had to do it twice. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really funny. Yeah, um, um, yeah. So I think that uh, still holds up really well, and cool. we recommend. The the other notorious internet pervert, David, who hasn't been fo- featured on the pod for a while, he was also a big Dying Light <laughs> fan. I think. I remember. Uh, he yeah, was... he and I uh, we talked about that a lot um, at work before. Um, nice. Yeah, he, he enjoyed it quite a bit. Both waiting for Dying Light too. Yeah, that just that just got delayed by the looks of it to February twenty twenty two. So you know what? If it comes out in a better state, that's fine. Of course, well, yeah, no video game delays are they're necessary. Um, always a bit disappointing want, if you're very excited, but yeah, don't want another cyber uh, cyberpunk. Yeah, no kidding, man. What a we should do a whole podcast on cyberpunk. Neither of us has played it though. You haven't played it, have you? I haven't. I, I want to. Despite it, the state it's in, I would like to see it for myself. I, I think on PC it's pretty playable. Actually, a, a friend at, at work, he, he played it at release on PC, and he, he really enjoyed it. He didn't have any major issues. Um, well, any any technical instability to me is like there's... Beyond, like, the game dev is challenging as hell, so there sure. are some things you just you can, you'll live with to enjoy this hobby. But... There are, are there's a level where it's like inexcusable. Like yeah. Your, your job, your job, and your funding is to put out a product that will pay for an experience, and if it doesn't work, that's that's entirely on you. Yeah. Um, so like technical jank, I can, I wouldn't necessarily hold it. Um, if they like, what am I trying to say? If the game just works, for the most part, and I can get through the story or whatever, I'll generally forgive some technical jank. Um, but as I understand it. Cyberpunk didn't live up to any of the promises it made. So no, no, it sounds I'd like, like I'd like to yeah. see um, just exactly what we got in the end. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Um, yeah, talk about a game that I was pretty pretty excited for. That like, yeah, my hype completely died for. I, I'm glad I wasn't like an early adopter. Holy crap, that would have been bad. Oh, that would suck. Yeah, I'd be frustrated. But um, just the damage it did to CD projects. I know. Too. Yeah, their reputation. I don't know that they're ever going to get it back. Like I, it, this, this reminds me very much of a. A No Man's Sky situation, where there was just overpromise, mm. underdeliver. I think the yeah. No Man's Sky team has has more or less completely repaired their goodwill with with the you know gaming community because they've put a ton of their time and passion into No Man's Sky, and it's it's a really different, improved game compared to what it was. I still don't really like it, but that's besides the point. Um, and, you know, the internet loves like a comeback story. But, yeah, yeah. And I'm not, I'm not saying that you should never like forgive these people whatever um at the end of the day it's it's a game but at the same time even if no man's die or no man's die jesus (laughs) no man's die no No man's man's eye infection (laughs) (laughs) even if no man's sky turned out to be amazing in the end remember that you were lied to like what they sold you was not what they promised yeah Um, and and you know remember that these corporations are not your friend (laughs) yeah for sure for sure yeah yeah um yeah, I think we'll, we'll we'll leave it at that. I think we should maybe at some point do a, a podcast on on CDPR and maybe Cyberpunk in, in particular. But did you want to start talking be, about be good. Perflona experience with their uh, with their? I'm gonna keep cutting you off. <laughs> you fucking son of a bitch! <laughs> I don't have a lot of experience with CDPR games, so it could be an interesting excuse to visit their stuff. It might be worth mentioning you and I both bounced off The Witcher Three, which is supposed to be the best video game of all time. Yes, um, I just I don't care for Geralt. I don't want to play as Geralt. I'll watch the show about him because I like that, and Henry Cavill's awesome. But in this giant open world fantasy thing, let me make my own fucking guy, please. <laughs> Was that your number one like thing that held you back? Yeah, it's just 
I'm okay if Geralt features in the game. Like, it just makes me sound like such an asshole. But yeah, for me, it's character creation. When you get when you give me a huge world fantasy world like this RPG setting, this stuff I love. I'd much rather make my own guy. Um, and yeah, I have a it, hard time getting into it when it's all about this other guy's story, right? I see. It's definitely more of a Western RPG thing where they tend to let you do that too, right? Where you tend to be able to mm-hmm. make your own person who kind of is the silent-ish protagonist who experiences the story as opposed to having a huge hand in it, per se. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, so it's definitely different in that regard. For me, it wasn't so much that. I, I just, yeah, for whatever reason, it didn't draw me in. I, I tried to get invested in the world and the characters, but part of it was there was so much to do. I was definitely getting a bit overwhelmed, and none of it was so exciting that I wanted to keep doing all that overwhelming stuff, so I kind of just bounced off of it. I don't know that I'll ever try it again. I see it sitting on my shelf right here, maybe someday. But anyways. Anyways. Um, John. Anyways. Persona 5. <laughs> you all right there? <laughs> yeah. Just just had a, a mini stroke. Um, you uh, how, how many hours did you put into it at the end of the day? Uh, at the end of it, and I, I left it on occasionally for an hour or two, so it's a little inflated. But my final hour, hour count is, I think, around 75. Okay, yeah, so you're about halfway done. <laughs> God. I'm just kidding. I'm not, no, with, with, uh, with, the extra, with the extra content in Royal, you're probably like three quarters. Like it'd probably be 100, 110 hours or something. But anyways, obviously, so you got very far. Yeah, I got to what I understand to be the final um, palace before like the finale of the game. So, um, And it's just, it underwhelmed me something fierce so i have not been able to just turn the game on and get through it (laughs) right um yeah about 75 ish hours i don't think i'm not sure i'll even finish and i'm almost positive i'm not going to do the extra content uh even if i do finish but um yeah so today's topic's about missables and completionism and persona is a great game to get into that with because Kyle and I have the same problem and I'm sure many of you listening do we just can't help ourselves like we want to see everything in the game and yep. especially in a game like a 100 hour ish RPG I, I don't want to go through this twice yep. unless this is the best game I've ever played and probably the only game that actually deserves a 10 because 10s don't exist yep. <laughs> um, I'm not going to want to revisit this damn thing again it's, it's too long uh, there's other th- stuff I want to play. If you're playing a game this dense, it's the only thing you're going to play for a while. Yeah. Um, so I-, I was playing with a guide. Now, personally, that didn't bother me too much. Um, I agree with what Kyle was saying with Persona 4, where the pacing... Um, when you're playing naturally, you- you're just doing whatever you want to do on the whim, and maybe that means a lot spending a lot of time in the-, the combat. I don't know what Persona 5's combat areas are called, but the metaverse in persona five um yeah when you're playing with a guide because you're trying to 100 percent everything the first playthrough um you end up doing each dungeon in about two nights you do one to get far enough to advance the story and send out the calling card oh right and the, yeah. day, the day after you'll um, revisit and finish which is fine because the second day all you're doing is running to the boss and, and ending the dungeon so um, I didn't. I didn't mind that honestly too much, but the pacing is definitely interrupted. When you have like a solid month of nothing but th- the same uh, minor activities like studying or whatever, or you know, train rides and reading books for stats, it, it does become very monotonous. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I also would would add like the social links 
ideally they would be so interesting that you don't mind, right? You're, you're getting such cool character yes. development and these awesome character moments that it doesn't matter that that's all you're doing because it's so good. But the social links in these games, I actually find in 4, they're more tolerable because they're so surface level. They're so quick. Like, there's two lines okay. of dialogue. You know, like, we found out we like the same TV show. Your social link is level 7. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, that's a, I, that's not actually one. I, I had a good example, but I've since forgotten it. But, but they're very surface level, so they're very quick. I remember in Persona 5, like everything in that game, they fucking droned on and on sometimes. Yes. That, yeah. That's one of my chief complaints with Persona 5 is just the characters never shut up. Yeah. They're, you're running through a palace checking these doors because on the mini-map they're highlighted yellow, which usually hints that you can go in. But some, some of them are, despite being interactable, there's you can't get through them. They're just locked forever. Um, and on some of those doors... Every time you interact with the damn thing, the party will stop the gameplay and bring up a dialogue box you have to click through, being like, oh, the door's locked, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's like so fucking tedious. I'm 75 hours in, and every time I visit a safe room, which is when you're in the palace, a safe room is where you can save and there's no enemies and you can heal up and stuff. Um, every time, every single time for the entire game, when you enter a safe room, the party remarks that this is a safe room and you can rest here. So right. I, I understand. I've been playing this for a long time. <laughs> I know what a safe room is. You already told me. <laughs> um, and that, that never stops. That's in like every aspect of the game. I just think they talk too fucking much. Right. Do you um, have um, a lot of... Uh, I mean, you agree with that pretty much? Or does it... Is that the same in Persona 4? It's not as bad a Persona 4. And I think same 3 and 4 are, are so much like... They're just not nearly as bad offenders on this, like, holy shit, shut the fuck up issue. I mean, they, they are, they're still not... Brevity is not a word I would apply to any of these games, for sure. They, they definitely, they like to revel in their big cast and have everybody have their moment to say something. And even when, you know, somebody doesn't necessarily have anything of, of value to say. But no, five, 5 was by far, by far the worst offender here. Like... Holy crap, man. Just so many times. I want to punch Kanji in the face so bad. <laughs> so bad. It's it's so bloated. The, the best word I can use to describe Persona 5 is bloated. Yeah, bloated, for sure. Uh, and, you know, you brought up an interesting point early on where, um, as a teenager, you probably enjoyed this a lot more than you do right now. Uh, and I, I definitely think that's true. I, I played... The only other Persona game I've played is Persona 3, Um if I remember, I didn't beat that one either. But I, I got near the end. I think I was close to the final boss when I. I this is weird. This is a, a weird memory. So Persona Three, I remember watching you play it uh, as a kid. So that's my mm -hmm. first kind of introduction to it. And then my friend, whose name is also Kyle, so big surprise. I like Kyle's. Um, <laughs> he uh, he was the one that really kind of introduced me to it uh, in a more more in depth sense, and he's the one that really got me into it. But I remember, I think you had. The, the Persona Titania in Persona 3 when I saw you playing, and I think she was in uh, the 50s. Her level was in the 50s. So yes, you were probably hmm. towards the end of the game. And as usual, it just... Either I got distracted or it didn't grip me enough to finish. But <laughs> yeah. what I remember of Persona 3, because I was much younger when I played it, I, I, I don't have a lot of bad memories about that game. Tartarus, right. the, the main like dungeon tower, got pretty tedious sometimes. But yeah. 
Uh, I don't remember the characters being so fucking long-winded and irritating. Um, and but play, playing Persona 5 as an adult, yeah, I, I can't relate to these kids at all. Um, mm-hmm. Every other line out of their mouth is how stupid the adults of their world is. Are Dude, <laughs> so so the, the Persona 3 doesn't really have a whole lot of the adults are dumb stuff, which is good. Persona 4 has some level of it because... Persona 4 is also about kind of an investigation um, and you trying to get to the bottom of these murders happening in this small town, which I like. Uh, it's a cool mm-hmm. setting. Um, but the, the whole like the whole backdrop is that the detectives can't figure it out because, of course, they, don't, they know nothing about this special TV world that you guys are able to go into. Um, right. So it has under, undertones of like, oh, those stupid adults, they'll never figure it out. But never as on the nose and obnoxious as Persona 5. Um, like man, again, just ham-fisted is the best word I can use to describe Persona 5's approach to the, you know, we're teenagers and we're underestimated. Like, God, <laughs> it just they come off as these complete know-nothing idiots sometimes, and I'm I want to be like, yeah, you you're idiots. Like the adults, the adults are right about you. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a level of it I understand. Like, I wish the game would kind of spell this out more and this is kind of I guess an issue I have with it is your main character while I think he's cool and the Joker design and all that pretty cool but he, he is a blank slate in a lot of ways so it's kind of left to you to understand that he's probably a little traumatized by being accused wrongly accused by a dirty politician yeah who's trying to ruin his fucking life right yeah. he would be a little mistrustful of the adult figures in his life probably. yeah sure and mistrustful of institutions and the things he's supposed to have faith in right yeah exactly and he shows up to the school and from day one everybody thinks he's a criminal uh the sojiro the guy taking care of you talks to you like you just got a fucking prison he's doing you this massive favor like, <laughs> he, he I know really you killed does 10 people <laughs> <laughs> he really does uh. i know you killed 10 people but i promised i'd let you stay in my cafe yeah, that's really funny. So, yeah. it, it's it's like one extreme to the. That's a bad way to put it, but it, it's too extreme. Like, it's it's the no anime problem. Talks it's, to it's, this kid. Yeah, it's it's the anime problem sorry, of, of no nuance. Like they don't know. Sorry, yes. I, I don't mean to paint it with a broad brush here. Oftentimes, anime writers don't seem to have any interest in like nuanced discussion and looking at how actual human people would react to situations. They right. just want to make sure that they get the point across and nobody is confused about the stakes and what's going on <laughs> and what everybody feels at all times, okay? If you don't know what a character is feeling, they've done something wrong. Like, it's, they're so afraid of you missing out on, like, subtle themes and stuff. There's no subtlety. You think we can convey this with emotion? No, we're going to tell you every time. <laughs> we're going to tell you. Well, so an example of this would be, like, the, the first bad guy of that game, the, the gym teacher, right? So, again, right. it, it works in the greater plot of, in the greater theme of, you know, being mistrustful maybe of adults and adults not always deserving your inherent trust and respect just because of, of the fact that they're older than you. And that probably is right. a stronger theme in Japan than it is in Western society too, right? There's a certain level of this elder respect that, that's more baked into the society, I think, than, you know, necessarily is here. Um, sure. So maybe it hits a bit differently that way, but but the first the first bad guy is this gym teacher who is like, I don't know. It's never actually. So here's one instance where it's a bit vague, but it kind of seems like he's having like sexual affairs with students and maybe like molesting them. Uh, so so at the end when you defeat him, he does admit to that. 
Um, oh yeah, okay, all right. It's been, I mean, it's 75 hours later. <laughs> yeah, I know. I Easy to forget the details, man. <laughs> if I remember correctly, uh, when he's on the stage during the assembly, because he calls for an assembly so that he can confess after you do the whole thing and change his heart and all that. Yeah. Uh, and I believe he states outright that he both uh, physically and sexually abused students. Right. So anyways, it's like... also the one student who tried to kill herself because of what he was doing. Right. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. Right, right. So it, it's super dark, and it's like, okay, wow, right out of the gates, damn. I also would argue it's a little bit heavy-handed, right? I think that there was a version of that villain that wasn't so, like, comically evil for, like, yeah. a high school teacher. Anyway, I, I didn't mind that arc as a whole. I thought it started up the game pretty well. Uh, but it was, I, right off the bat, I was like, damn, there's no, there's no gray here. He's just a fucking monster. Outright, no redeeming qualities. He is a completely... A character to be written off, and that's how this game is going to approach everything, isn't it? And more or less, yes. <laughs> you, you, you phrased it nicely, where there's there's just no nuance, right? Yeah. Um, and to a certain degree, I don't mind it. This is from the perspective of a teenage cast of characters, right? To, yeah. to them, this guy is pure evil. So I, I don't necessarily mind that, but um, yeah, to, as a player, I still feel like I'm on the outside looking in because Joker has no personality, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you can't even really get a read on what Joker thinks about anything because he basically always plays it cool with his hands in his pockets. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought I thought that was a strong start. Um, I like that they were willing to deal with heavy-handed topics like that. Um, in my opinion, it all went downhill from there. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I, I'd agree with that. I think the second palace. Uh, the museum with Madarame, the art forger and all that. I think that one was okay. I, I enjoyed the setting. I liked the story about Yusuke's mom and the whole Sayuri painting. Yeah, the, the twist that was cool. The twist there was pretty cool. Yeah, and and, and uh, Madarame admits that he had a chance to intervene and get her medical help. If I remember correctly, Yusuke's mom, the original painter of this this Sayuri painting that this whole like museum is is built around. Um, this guy's like a mind palace or whatever um she had a seizure and was dying on the floor and instead of calling for help madarame lets her die so that he can pretend uh, he's the creator of that sayuri painting right and there's the big reveal there after you beat him and all that stuff that was cool you know that that felt like it had some real stakes to it yusuke got some some catharsis out of learning this stuff gets to move on with his life i thought that was cool um Right after that, you do the third palace with that evil gangster, and again, no no nuance, right? He's he's just pure evil, and he's boring as hell because you know nothing about this guy. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, he was probably one of the least developed, eh? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, that's that's I Makoto's. Think after that, uh, yes, that's during her story arc. And I'm, okay. I'm actually gonna riff on her a little bit because she pissed me off. <laughs> okay. I like Makoto, and I feel like she grew as a character a little bit. Um, But I also feel like she grew by omission, almost. Like, she didn't have as many lines to say, so she was less offensive to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a a huge strength in this game. (laughs) Oh my god, that character (laughs) shut up for a second? I love this character. What, What bothered me about her is... So everybody, when you're in the, pers- the the palaces, everybody has their, like, persona awakening moment, right? Yeah. Makoto has hers. She gets her, um, what's her name? Johanna, I think. She turns into a motorbike and all that stuff. Yeah. You know, very anime. Still kind of cool. She breaks a hole in the wall, all that stuff. 
I, I like that. That's fine. She got gets her like her like power moment where she's like, you know, what? I'm finally gonna do what I want instead of all these expectations placed on me. Immediately after that, it's just like she knows everything. She's right. like, oh, I see. I see why I'm a member of this now. It's because you guys never have a plan. So I guess I'll, it's going to be up to me to call the shots. I see. The senpai third year, right? <laughs> I mean, meanwhile, I'm like fucking 20 hours in. You, you, you just woke up to, to the persona world or whatever, and you have no idea what's going on. Yeah. Right? Uh, for all the bloat in this game, there's never bloat where they're explaining to new party members how shit fucking works. Yeah, yeah, that's, like, that's a really good point. <laughs> it's like one cut scene. It's like, I think early on when you recruited um, on maybe... Uh, they they explain a little bit more in depth, and I get why they didn't want to do that for every new character. Right. But the the um, trade off there is that Makoto seems too comfortable too quickly, and then yeah. she becomes like the, in a lot of ways, the party leader beside Joker, right? Yeah. But it bothered me because she says you guys never had a plan. I guess it's up to me. But what you do in that palace is the same as everything you've done in the other palaces. <laughs> It didn't change anything. Yeah, there's no, there is no plan she devised that suddenly completely changed your approach to completing these things, right? Yeah, it's just a, a fucking ham-fisted moment where we're supposed to know that she's like Junior Sherlock Holmes or whatever, right? Yeah. And and her like, her somehow she inherited law instincts because her sister. Because her sister <laughs> is a prosecutor. Yeah. And her dad was a cop, so it's like I just have it's in my genes. It's in my genes, man. I bleed blue. Yeah. <laughs> so that that bothered me a lot. Um, it bothered me less as as the game went on because I just feel like she um, uh, became more a member of the group, and it wasn't so outright. It wasn't stated so outright that she was just smarter than everyone. Yeah. Because um, they they want her to come a, a, across as junior detective or whatever. Right. Um, but the, by far the biggest character I have an issue with is fucking Ryuji, man. Oh wait, was that, I call sorry. I, I called him Kanji before when I said I wanted to punch him in the face. I meant Ryuji. Oh. I like Kanji from Persona Four. I don't want to punch him. I want to punch. I want to punch Ryuji. Yes, yes. Ryuji, yes. Fucking Ryuji, man. Where do I start with this fucking guy? <laughs> he never learns anything throughout the seventy-five hours I played this game. Mm -hmm. He is constantly told that he's too goddamn loud, and he's gonna alert whoever is around that shouldn't know about the. Phantom Thieves activities, and it just it, it never changes. Like he multiple times he almost if not blows your plans because he's an idiot hothead loudmouth. Yeah. Um, as you go on with his um, his social link or confidant, they they do write that he's matured a little bit and he's he's okay not return. His his whole thing is like he had a falling out with his track team because of the 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 Kamashita stuff, going right? On. Exactly, yeah, the first yeah. the first major boss. Um, and his growth arc there is that he just accepts that it's time to move on from track and I have, like, self-worth beyond that thing, right? I solved the problem for myself, I'm okay moving on, and the track team can move on too. So yeah. he has a little growth moment there, which is nice. And it seems like he might have grown as a person, but because these confidants are, are optional, um, I guess in terms of story you probably have to get to a certain point with, with the main cast, but um, that payoff does not reflect in the story. Right? Yes, 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 yes. If he, this, this, if he yeah. grew, if he grew in this social link, that that does not appear in any of the story dialogue. <laughs> yeah, that that's a really good point about the social links and the story, the disconnect. That's a that's a huge 
failing, right? That I mean, it would be a hard thing. I don't know how they would necessarily do that. Um, I mean, the way the way you would do it, I I think just off the top of my head here would be social links. Uh, social link ranks are only unlocked after a certain amount of story progress. Oh, I see. Okay. Uh, and I guess that is the case because um, you can only do like the hangouts whenever they want, but it's it's not planned out in a way where. Ryuji's growth or whatever Makoto's growth is going to be reflected appropriately in the story at whatever point you're at. Yeah, it could also be, even with that fix though. Now you'd have the opposite problem of you would show the the development of the character in the story cutscenes, but if your if your player had totally neglected those social links until way later in the game, now they're going to mm-hmm. see this character move backwards in the social link interactions, right? <laughs> yeah, true. They're going to be this Kinda immature. Crazy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Although I mean, it, it's a problem either way, but. Yeah, yeah. I think what you'd have to do is it would be there are days where you you have to do a social link. You're going to see this character grow because the game writing demands it. Right. Uh, and personally, I would be fine with that. I'd prefer that. Actually. Especially especially for your main cast, right? Like like for yeah yeah. That that's a fair point. With with the optional side characters, it doesn't matter as much. Those you can you can miss and yes. do at your own speed. Yes. With the main cast, it it can really impact your enjoyment of the game. Yeah, for the main cast, I would say I would prefer if they would kind of mandate when you experience those. Yeah, fair enough. I think that's fair. And they do that to a degree with um, uh, Morgana, right? Yeah, they do it with certain social links, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, they already, yeah, although and, a uh, whole a whole cast is quite a few social links. So I, I get them being a bit hesitant to just hand out that many rank 10 social links as part of the story. But I agree. I think that would be the solution. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, but the rank 10 rewards, it's not like they're super great. I mean, you get the Persona on Awakening, and and then you get the ability to forge the most powerful one. But even though you've unlocked that, you're not going to have what you need to do that for a long time. Yeah. My favorite thing about the... Actually, I do love this about the Persona games, is how all of your party members, when you max out their social link, their Persona basically evolves. I fucking love that. Yes, that was that's, cool. That's that a great, really cool. great feature. And you know, that's supposed to reflect their personal growth, right? But... When you hit rank <laughs> ten in Ryuji's fucking chariot persona, and he experiences this moment immediately in the next story cutscene, he's the same loudmouth dipshit he's been the whole game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he he. There's a, a moment where I can't remember exactly when it occurs, but there is a moment where he tries to like own up to his bullshit. He apologizes after yelling. Um, right. There's a bounty announced uh, on the Phantom Thieves by. Not maybe it's Medjet. I can't remember the hacker group in the game. I can't remember exactly the circumstances, but uh, Ryuji uh, is responsible in part because he's the loudmouth idiot, and he, he does apologize to a degree for fucking that up. So that that's nice, but it doesn't last. Yeah. Um. He, he again. He didn't. He didn't learn anything. He didn't learn. No. The story no. just demanded. What he did was so obvious that the story demanded the cast uh, address it. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> He, he had to apologize, and then immediately in the next scene, he's back to his idiot self. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, and there's talk about stealth and stuff and, and just being careful not to reveal the thieves and all that. And then the in, entire group agrees to just enter Kaneshiro's. So that's the, the third palace, that gangster guy that they didn't flesh out. They just agreed to enter his palace in broad daylight. So they're all stupid. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> They, they come out of the palace in broad daylight. Like, they materialize. I, I Actually, I had a feeling this would happen when I started the game. Because there are moments where they enter the palace where you can clearly see NPCs 
could see your characters. Like, <laughs> if, if this app means you're going to vanish in thin air and go to this fucking metaverse dimension, there are people looking at you right now, and you still push the button. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> and that does come up later when um, uh, Akechi shows you the photo he took on his phone. Oh, okay. Is, is that how he determines so, you guys were the ones who were the Phantom Thieves? Yeah, because he has a picture on his phone where you're you're reappearing out of thin air. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 great. <laughs> I knew that would fucking happen because these characters are stupid. Also, what a good indicate. Like, if if he got a picture of it, dozens of people saw it with their eyes. Oh yeah. Like yeah, but, but again, of course they, they, they never. They're trying to make it catchy. The fucking another Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, the the genius detective. Yeah. Fucking the high school detective. If that was a fucking thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. <laughs> The high school cop. The high school right. detective. Yeah. Yeah. He, another character that just. Ugh. I, I, I had a moment I did like with him, though, where I believe when you get to rank eight in his confidant, he. Um, you play pool. And you finally. He, the, when you're playing pool with him in his, his social links, he's always playing with his non dominant hand. Oh, right. He thinks he's better, thinks yeah. he's better than you. And at that certain rank. Um, you eventually beat him when he's using the wrong hand, and he, he actually gets like like mad about it. Like he doesn't want to lose. So uh, shortly after that, he invites you to um, what is that place called? What's the um, there's the metaverse like the palaces and then there's oh another the one. mementos mementos that's it the like public consciousness version, which I thought was a cool concept. We'll get into that after. Um, but he invites you down there to have a one on one duel. And because I'm me and I, I know how to grind in games, I destroyed this man. <laughs> <laughs> and afterwards, he's really, like, he's actually actively upset that he lost. And oh. he, states, I, he states, I hate you. Like, Damn. He actually says it. And you can kind of, with the, the artwork on his face and everything, you can feel it. So well, if you weren't, like, picking up on the clues that he was, and this, again, spoiler warning, if you weren't picking up on the clues throughout the game that he might be, more than meets the eye, and he ends up being a bad guy. Um, uh, you're going to get, like, a serious vibe of it there. Yeah. Uh, and I definitely did not pick up some of those clues, like how he was able to hear Morgana's voice. So, But after seeing that social link, I was like, oh, shit, there's there's something underneath this guy not quite right. Cool. Yeah, that, I like that. I, I, That's I did, good. I, I did like that. Um, they, they do have some pretty strong moments in the game. But, yeah, Makoto and Ryuji were by far the most offensive castmates um i found futaba the hermit hacker to be i didn't mind it but it was a lot of like i don't know she she comes across as like a little sister character to joker yeah she's also romanceable yeah i know she's didn't also, like that uh, yeah she's also like a, a social shut-in there's a, a term in japan for people who don't come out and it's like hikikomori i think like okay. just shut shut-ins right they they stay in all the time and she's she's like that she has trauma of her own that you have to go through her palace to fix but her her like growth moments and the i don't know her character portrayal to me was just full of cringe <laughs> yeah it was super anime cringe right it was basically teach this human being about the world <laughs> so like that's yeah. what her her social link moments were for me if i remember correctly but I feel like it says there's a bit like almost like trauma-based agoraphobia or something for her, right? Right. And I, that's an interesting premise. Like, I, but I feel like they fucked it up. Of course, yeah. Well, that's the thing. They have they they can have an interesting premise or an interesting character motivation or an interesting character backstory, but it's never handled with care. <laughs> 
No. Like you said, no nuance, right? Yeah. Um, I wanted to quickly, t- two quick things. Um, sure. I, I, you were talking about the second palace with, uh, with Yusuke, your, your, your fourth party member, I guess. Um, and how it's with that that guy who let his mom die when he could have intervened, and he takes the painting as his own, and all like, like yeah. So it, just to hear the broad strokes of that, that's a pretty cool little story setup. Like I like that as a as a plot point, but I think it's it's important to talk about the fact that you experience that over the course of way too fucking long, and <laughs> yes. and the entire time you're experiencing it, you're having it re reiterated back at you like 20 different times to make sure you're catching everything so while it sounds good in theory the execution is almost always like almost always takes away from from the the cool moments it's a letdown yes i i can't stress enough how bloated the dialogue in this game is how it Mm -hmm. feels um what could be said in a sentence is stretched out to 10 every time Every time it doesn't need to, because it seems like the devs are just terrified that you're going to be a little confused for even a moment, or or you might like if they had a story. Um, I think they have a story summary in the menu that you can go read. Like I, I they have, so they have this feature, but they're like afraid you'll have to use it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they they just drill the same information into your head um, ad nauseum, um, and I feel like that carries over to i don't know if this is a great time to get into it um redirect me if you need to Kyle. but i feel like that bloat carries into like persona fusion also yeah I, actually i'm not going to redirect you i'm going to let you go off on that i have one more sure. point i wanted to make that i thought was kind of salient here so you're 70 like five hours into the game yeah. um and you've experienced a, a fair bit of story at that point right i would argue it's actually you haven't really like if you were to write down the story in a concise, comprehensive way that, like, still gave characters dialogue. Like, if you put this in a book form, basically, your 75 hours probably condenses to maybe five hours of book reading. Yeah. <laughs> like, do you, do you think... I, th- I think that's that's maybe five to ten at most uh, if you were actually trying to present it in a way that didn't overstay its welcome. As, like, a point if of... this com- Lord of the Rings and <laughs> every rock in Middle-earth is explained for ten pages, then maybe not. Then maybe That's not, That's how yeah. this game feels right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, as, as, a, as just a point of comparison, so the, the most recent Stormlight Archives book by Brandon Sanderson uh, called Rhythm of War is just over... I think it's, like, 1,200 pages or something. And I read it on my Kobo. Book. Yeah, it's a big book, and so much happens, right? It's, it's well-paced... Characters are cool and interesting and grow and change in, in cool ways. He's a good author. I'll leave it at that. I, I read it on my Kobo, which tells me the length of time it takes to to read something. And I'm not a particularly fast reader by any means. And it took me about 36 hours. And I can guarantee you, I can guarantee you in that 36 hours of reading, I probably had 10 times as much like plot development, cool character moments, just, just interesting story to experience compared to the 75 hours of Persona that you've played. Right. So it, I'm obviously the different mediums, and obviously it's a game. You're not always having story beats spelled out to you. But for the amount yeah, not, of dialogue... Not a direct comparison. Yeah. It's not applicable directly, but I see where you're going with yeah. that. Like, for the amount of dialogue that you suffer through in that game, you get so little. So little. Yes. <laughs> you, you really don't learn much about this world. Um, and... Maybe someone can correct me here, but there's a moment here where, toward the end, after uh, Akechi is revealed to be a bad guy, and uh, major spoilers here, so if you haven't run away yet, then now's the time. 
um, and you uh, come out of the second to last palace, I believe, the casino, where the game opens up with all the, that stuff. So you finally wrap up that little bit of story there. And your character, Joker, is caught by the police, um, who were no doubt tipped off by a catchy. And you're sitting in an interrogation room uh, waiting to be interrogated. Well, you find out Akechi's been a bad guy the whole time, and he's going to kill you and make it look like one of the guards murdered you and then murdered himself. Um, and the way your character survives is to make what they call a metaverse clone, which, if I remember correctly, never came up anywhere in the game. How did Joker get the ability to make a metaverse clone? It's a pretty... So, yeah, I think you're right. It's a pretty huge Deus Ex Machina, right? Where they basically take a a brand new, like, magical concept to this universe you haven't been told about that somehow yes. the characters know about when they shouldn't because if they know about it, fucking you should know about it because this game tells you everything they're thinking all the time. Exactly. Um, and yet this one thing they like just oh we have a surprise for you player <laughs> like what and of all the, of all the ways to handle this they they do it in this they have to invent a new mechanic for it i guess that isn't really a mechanic but adding some new capability to the metaverse that didn't previously exist yeah exactly uh, and also making making a catchy stupid enough to not realize he's been brought to the metaverse yeah the, the whole they paint him as this this fucking genius character who's now, by the way he's the one killing people in the palaces and and responsible for these this outbreak of like mental shutdowns they term them as they call it in the game so he's experienced like he's he's been around the block when it comes to this metaverse shit you would think he would know when he's like i don't know changed locales right mm. <laughs> they try to do it in a way where you're in a, a place with a weak like linked to the metaverse or whatever so that um structurally the look is not going to change at all and I, I get it they can justify it sure but i thought it was a really lame reveal um and then the, the metaverse clone thing just like took me out of the story entirely yeah <laughs> it's like what 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 did they, i've never seen this before this this never came up yeah yeah this they, they finally have to act they finally actually have to explain something to you that you don't understand and it's <laughs> yeah it's but it's not worth it <laughs> This is where they don't write the dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they just do it and don't tell you anything. Everybody, yeah, no. So, um, you uh, want to talk about fusion a bit? To, yeah. Oh, fusion, yes. Um, uh, just real quick, I was happy to see that. Um, thematically, I don't think it made much sense at all. But I was happy to see that that palace uh, belonged to Sainijima, that prosecutor who, mm -hmm. who's uh, interviewing you the whole time. I had a feeling she would have a palace, and that that paid off and i thought it was pretty cool and also when she has her change of heart she starts to help you guys more which i like quite a bit so right there are uh, redeeming qualities in this game but yeah the, the fusion mechanic i feel i'm not a huge fan i know it doesn't bother you as much but to me the fusion mechanic just feels like more bloat um your your the persona protagonist wild card ability means you can use pretty much any persona and um you know, you can cover your your party's, like, every um, el elemental weakness for your entire party, right? Yeah. So your, your character is far too special, in my opinion. And uh, it's not hard to make severely overpowered personas early. Um, I, I had one. They, they, they give you access to a persona named Shiki Oji that I've been using the entire game because he's immune to physical and gun damage. 
I went through the trouble of capturing this guy and building out. You're damn right I'm going to use him. Yeah. Um, uh, I got lucky with a fusion accident. Um, there's fusion alarms in the game where you, with some RNG applied, you can get really lucky with skill loadouts. I got insanely lucky uh, fusing myself a Shiki OG that had like every skill I wanted. <laughs> and I, I made up the weaknesses with skill cards. And I, even at the end of the game... Um, I can one-shot entire enemy parties. Yeah, that's nuts. Uh, um, but, you know, fine. That, that, that's not even what bothers me so much. But the Persona bloat, uh, the thing that bothers me about it is that every Persona, every minor Persona, I guess, feels like a throwaway only meant to be part of something much better. Yeah. And, and I would just personally prefer more of like a... Maybe you could argue Pokemon's the same, but to me, when I'm playing Pokemon, I use my favorites. No, I I, I think the Pokemon comparison is as apt, but I like I like Pokemon's approach to it better as well. Right, uh, and part part of the problem here though is uh, the skills that these personas learn stop. Like yes. If yeah. let's say let's say Pixie was um, she's one of the first ones you get. Let's say she's for whatever reason and on, she uses ice or something. I, a better example, she's a healer. Early on, she is, she's like your first access to the Dia spell. Yeah. Um, if you continue to use and train Pixie. Uh, why would she not learn some of the better heal spells? Yeah. If you if you like Pixie and you want to go through the trouble of like jacking up her stats, she could continue on as a healer um, and be useful the whole game. But, but then that would just incentivize you from engaging with their fusion system. Yeah, and to me, the fusion isn't fun. I find it really tedious. Yeah, um, I, I think the the problem with with the whole like the, it's hard to level personas for one. Because only the persona you have equipped gets experience, unless they have a passive ability to change that. Um, right. And they, they they need like the same amount of experience that your characters do to level, and it's a lot of experience, right? So so it takes uh, a long time. It takes a long time. So it's like it's like Pokemon before the EXP share, right? Like to grind up all your Pokemon to like a serviceable level takes a lot of time, and that's only six of them in Pokemon. In this in Persona, you can have like twelve Persona by the end of the game. Uh, it's just I don't think it's really tenable that you're going to be leveling these personas with any regularity. They have to do some yeah. pretty fundamental changes to persona leveling to let you kind of keep but, the same ones for so long. But then with it's G made worse by yeah. the fact that you're trapped in the palace the whole time. Right. Like if even if you're not playing with a guide, if you've decided that the schedule you've laid out for yourself so you can prioritize something you want to do, like getting up somebody's social link, um, if you don't want to be in the palace for like a 20-hour marathon session of persona grinding then you're you're gonna have to move on and you know time is limited in this game time will pass and you might fuck up your plans right yeah um and those grind sessions are tedious as hell you don't have to do them it's not necessary at all you can capture personas as you go through the game they will be more than enough to get through it um I tested the highest difficulty also, and elemental weaknesses do triple damage there. So you'll, if anything, it's sometimes easier than the main game <laughs> or the normal difficulty. Um, but this is a this is a major mechanic, like like using and making personas you find cool. But often you can't use the one you find cool unless you go through tons of tedium to boost their stats and give them skill cards that matter, right? Yep, for sure. It also and so. The, Design, I can't say this is bad. I can just say I don't personally like it. Yeah, fair, no, fair enough. It also, I always find it really frustrating early on in Persona games when you are fusing Personas, but your social link with that Persona has like either not started or is level one. 
Like, yes. just because because you're all, you're not min maxing at that point, right? Or, or you're certainly not maxing. You're minning. <laughs> so, I just it, it always was hard to to know I was making this persona that if I waited to, to fuse later would get way more bonus experience and all those right. skills just right away. Anyways, yeah, I, I agree. I think the fusion mechanic in general it needs some kind of revamp because uh, it really it, it's unchanged for you know twenty years. Yeah, they really haven't changed it much at all, aside from a few extra bells and whistles to like teaching your personas uh, certain skills or, or you know boosting their level with some of the side stuff you can do in the the fusion area in Persona Five. But, right. Yeah. It's funny because I'm I'm someone who likes to mechanically bust games. Like we've talked about Xenoblade a lot. I, I love sorry out which game tackle. <laughs> That's called Xenoblade Chronicles X. Oh okay. Game ever. Yeah, I haven't heard of it. Um. And uh, you can you can break that wide open early as soon as you get uh, Irina. You can use her to take on some of the harder hardest enemies, hardest non-boss enemies in the game. You can get to level sixty in no time. I do that all the time. I find that fun. Like, yeah. Figuring out how to do that and how to use all the systems to make that possible that is enjoyable to me. But at the same time, breaking Persona with the fusion alarm accidents that I I didn't care for that at all. Right. Right. Um, Getting uh, uh, Ariadne persona with like a critical chance up and counter and all that, and I'm like, well, Jesus! And now I'm unkillable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and for the for the entire game, uh, Joker, I think I had I think I had one game over once, and that was fighting um, the spaceport boss. Oh, he did kill you once. I'm glad to hear that. He, he I hate that he got, guy. He, I think it was him. He, yeah, he was he was a pain in the ass. Like, because I got him on the second try, uh, after I understood better what to do. But yeah, he was tedious as fuck. Um, but aside from from him though, the game is like comically easy. Like you're not in any danger at any point really if you engage with these systems even a little bit. Yeah. Um, so getting getting this persona that has made me functionally invincible for like seventy percent of the game was like. I have nothing left to work towards. <laughs> For sure, yeah. The, that, your your incentives have definitely dropped off there, right? Because that's supposed to be a huge part of the game incentive-wise is creating better personas and stuff like that. Yeah, I suppose the difference with Xenoblade is um, reg- if I decide to, to do what I was just talking about, there's still tons of challenge in that game waiting for me. Sure. Um, challenges I haven't even beat yet because they take so long to prepare for. Yeah. Um, whereas in Persona, it just became even easier than it already was and that was pretty damn easy fair enough um if i if i shift this into kind of talking a little bit about completionism and missables and stuff now uh, am i going to be interrupting any other final kind of persona 5 specific thoughts john oh man i could continue bettering but i think we can wrap that up here <laughs> well actually okay well, just just to quickly get your your take on it because so we obviously you and i both have a ton of issues with persona 5 um on the whole if you had to not give it a number rating, but let's just say, like, is it good, mediocre, bad, very good, very bad? Where, where do you think you would land on Persona 5 as a whole package? You know, I would honestly still say that if you're an RPG fan, it's worth your time. Like, it's kind of like Breath of the Wild. Like, it's it may not be for me, but I do see why people like it. Yeah. Um, a lot of things rub me the wrong way here. Things that probably would have been more acceptable to me when I was younger, like around the time I played Persona 3. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can definitely tell I am less patient with the RPG genre these days because I've 
I've seen a lot of it, right? Yep. Um, yep. And uh, the cle- it feels like sometimes this industry uh, doesn't learn from itself, <laughs> um, and a lot of these games come out with the same damn problems, like the same bad writing, the same time wasting bullshit. Um, Nintendo's especially bad at part of that. <laughs> um, but I also enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Okay. When when I was talking about buying this, I remember you, you know you told me you probably you told me I, you didn't think I would like it. Yeah, I, I wasn't expecting you to really uh, engage with it in a positive way at all. <laughs> yeah, I did not expect to enjoy it uh, the way I did. I thought the slice of life stuff and what you see of Tokyo was great. Mm-hmm. Um, it does at some points become pretty monotonous because uh, I guess one last point I'll bring up about that is. Um, the activities you do don't require any engagement from you. And I'm not sure what you would do. And if it was all mini games, it probably just pissed me off more. But yeah, yeah. You, you, your input is you decide to spend your evening chunk of time studying at the booth in the cafe. That's the end of your involvement. Yeah. You will wake up the next day with a minor stat boost in your, your intelligence stat. Um, doing that over and over again uh, becomes pretty boring. Um, and the guide I was using, I, you know, I feel like it did a pretty good job of mixing it up um, and covering a lot of ground, and you get to experience a lot of things, um, like a lot of the activities the city offers. So I, I don't think I was really um, uh, encouraged by the guide, like, playing in a poor way where I wouldn't see a lot of that. But yeah. despite that, it did eventually become pretty boring because yeah. it's all the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and ultimately, you're right. You're just deciding how to spend your time. And then there, yeah. after the after that, that's it. Your input your input ends, um, which Pretty which much, yeah, yeah, which which is kind of fun fun for a while. But when you've done it for eighty hours, like yeah, I, I don't <laughs> know. It just it doesn't need to run as long as it does. Let, let's just I think we can both agree that Persona 5's biggest uh, of the seven deadly sins, it's gluttony, it's it's self indulgence, it's bloat. <laughs> yes, uh, you know what? Actually, one more thing I want to bring up, and that's the fortune teller, because in a game that wastes your time. They waste even more of your time by introducing a character who you can pay 5,000 yen to to get a temporary stat boost for the next thing you do. That could be for um, raising a social stat. That could be for getting some bonus points for a confidant. But you, you can't skip through that scene. You will see that scene so many fucking times if you're, if you're making use of it to speed up the things you want to get done. It becomes incredibly tedious. Um, in an already bloated game, it just makes it feel even more bloated. Yeah, it should be a passive boost, right? Instead of because you have to go to so. the area she's at, talk to her, go through her dialogue, choose the thing you want, and you're gonna do that dozens, if not hundreds, of times. <laughs> like yep. oh, because yeah. it, it's it's indispensable. It's going to especially if you're aiming for completion, right? Because then it it's the only way you're going to be able to pull that off. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, I, I found that to be pretty. I was getting pretty tired of it. By even, even the same thing with <laughs> with your your weird, ethically dubious, sexy maid teacher lady, right? <laughs> oh, we didn't even get into it, <laughs> dude. There's so much. Jeez. There's so, there's so much about this game that we could nitpick to death and and opine <laughs> on our issues with. But she's another example of a system that's indispensable that you have to engage with to to min max and complete. And it's just another cutscene you're gonna watch dozens of times. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty egregious. They waste your time a lot in this game. Yeah. Um, but anyway, final thoughts. I would still say I had a decent time. I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. 
Um, and if you're a Persona fan and you're, if you're a Persona fan, you're probably not on the fence about this. You probably already played it. But yeah. if you like RPGs and you've never tried Persona, this is not a terrible place to enter the, to enter the series. Um, you might enjoy it more than I did. I think you'll relate to it more if you're younger than Kyle and I. I'm in my 30s. It's hard to relate to a group of teenagers. Yeah, I'm in my late late twenties, so yeah, same thing. I think we're just both in different stages of our life now, right? <laughs> the yeah, the the worries and cares of a teenager just seem so so foreign to me now. I I can, I don't mean to say like. I don't mind interacting with a story with a character who's not exactly my demographic. Like I don't mean to say that. Um, I can definitely you know empathize with with people in extraordinary circumstances. I I, I will never be in and can never experience. Um, but when when the problems of a teenager are very obviously you know it's kind of silly and superfluous and you know that with hindsight um and persona doesn't do a particularly good job of of dealing with those things in an intelligent way it, it just it again it, it hits different to put it uh, as eloquently as i can <laughs> i would say my main issue is um it's just everybody in the world seems stupid <laughs> yes 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 like, nobody is talking to Joker about the shit he just went through. Instead, he's immediately assumed to be a terrible person. Yeah. Even by the, the like, Sojiro eventually redeems himself and becomes a, a great supporter for the party. But none of, you're telling me nobody would, would bother to talk to you? Uh, and, and okay, let, let's assume that is true. Eventually, the counselor character enters the game, and he does talk to you like you're an actual human being. And the party still is like stupid adults. <laughs> but you, you've just met an adult. You've met several adults who are on your side. They have your back. Um, I had a note here, actually. I guess this is the last note I'll add. But um, Joker's experience with adults, I wish they were shared with the party mm. because he makes a lot of connections that would change someone like Ryuji's worldview. Sure. That's a really good point. A lot of your a lot of your social links and confidants in that game are with people who are older than you. Yeah, like the the politician guy who owns up yes, to yes. the mistakes he's made, or, or later on it comes out that he was not responsible and he was like wrongly. He's just like your guy. He was wrongly. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, someone like that who wants better things for the young people of of Japan. Um, that is a character Ryuji should be able to look at and be like, God damn, I need to get my shit. That's right. a character Ryuji should be having these these confidant uh, <laughs> scenes with, not your MC. Yeah, right. Yeah, seriously. Um, um, yeah, that's it for that. I would, again, uh, play it. If you're into RPG, give it a shot. Yeah. The, the Persona know. series is definitely unique in, on the RPG landscape, and, and there's nothing doing it quite like Persona. Um, they, they, they do have, yeah, they've got kind of a little corner of the of the market there where it's like this cool niche of you know slice of life japanese living in the day dating sim in the day and then fun you know cool rpg battles in the night so and it, they do do both of them pretty well most of the time it just yeah I, I think you and i have certainly outgrown them to an extent and I, I do get really frustrated that in the media coverage of these games like persona 5 especially when it came out there was just nines and eights and tens across the board <laughs> and nobody would talk yeah. about the fact that the writing was awful, and this so John played Persona Five Royal, the the re-release with some extra content and a bit of a, a rework in the translation. They actually put a ton of work into into the translation the second time around because the translation in the original release of the game was really quite poor. the 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 tonal inconsistency was the biggest thing, but a lot of very weird word choice, 
awkward grammar. Like it just really wasn't handled well. There's a really lovely uh, website on the internet that kind of from from a, a translator, a Japanese to English translator, breaking down some example sentences and how they were translated, just showing that it was clearly it wasn't given the time it was deserved. Um, but anyways, at the time of the release of the game, nobody was talking about it, and it just drives me nuts that I think on the topic of of writing and story in JRPGs especially. Western media and like you know game review outlets don't pay a lot of lip service to to writing quality. Um, obviously, it's it's very subjective, but I, I think that yeah, I just don't see much of it, and that that game deserves some criticism from that regard. So this is our attempt to, to levy some criticism at Persona Five. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I agree. Like I was pretty frustrated to see. Um, it, it's hard to tell sometimes. Like, is it my my was my experience not a nine? Because because it wasn't for me. But is it is that on me? As in, I just don't enjoy this, or are there actually problems with it? It's kind of hard to like. Uh, now I, I've got some self confidence there, so in my opinion, yes, I think there are actual problems. <laughs> yeah, I, you and I, I think both agree in that. So we, we we are fairly yeah. we stand by our we stand by our tastes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, you know, I hope if you're listening to this podcast, if anything you've learned that will will give a game. Uh, a fair shake, right? Yeah, John. Like, John put seventy-five hours into it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> despite all the issues I have, like I would still say you should try it because you might like it more than I did. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it does frustrate me to see the the nines and tens. Um, I, for, again, I don't think a ten fucking exists. Agreed. Um, yeah. So I would I would like it if that would stop, but. <laughs> Yeah. Um, um, one last thing I yeah, want to say. On one last thing I want to say about Persona series, which I just always find kind of funny, and, and and this I don't know how they would possibly fix this, but when you, okay, hold on, my my cat's my cat's being a bit of a dick right now. Hey, hey, you, <laughs> enough. You'll get food soon. I love you. Um, when you max out a social link or confidant, immediately you just pretend like it's like they don't exist to you anymore right you have no reason to interact with them it's <laughs> yes. like they fall off the face of the planet it's like okay thank you you've given me the rewards for befriending you uh i am now done we are done everything's over yeah. joker do you remember that soul-bearing conversation we had last night i need more and it's like i'm done with you yeah no I'm, no I'm, it's over we're we're through <laughs> Wait, I, 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 what are you talking about? I got your best reward. Yeah, exactly. Just... Yeah. What do you mean? Your persona ranked up to the next level, and, and you gave me your confidant item. There's no reason for us to speak to each other anymore. So, I, mean, I just, I, I like. There's a funny YouTube video in there where you kind of memeify the 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 game ability of of these social link stuff. So. <laughs> I could see like a, a a restaurant proposal scene where after she says yes, you 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 got. Level ten. You're you got level ten. <laughs> yeah, you proposed. You'll never see her again. Enjoy. Uh, no, I, this was a bucket list thing. I, I, <laughs> I unlocked my next level of personal satisfaction, and I'm done. <laughs> uh, um, all right, let's uh, let's pivot a bit then to Persona Five. Kind of brought up this topic when we were talking about it over the last couple of weeks. Um, but let, let's talk a bit about so just video game missables and, and yes. in the context of completionism because. The Persona series is a pretty egregious um, uh, perpetrator of, of this need to play something with a guide open right next to you the whole time if you have any hope of completing them, right? It would be essentially impossible without like dozens, dozens, maybe hundreds of hours of trial and error to come up with a schedule for these games where you would actually get to see everything on your first playthrough. 
Oh, absolutely. You, you, you would never... You would have to beat the game at least once just to know where the major events fall in the calendar. Right? Yeah, ex- and that, exactly. And then you'd you'd need to you'd need to do an impossible amount of you know save scumming and like it would take a crazy amount of time. So the people who make these calendars, first of all, kudos to you. I don't know why yes. you did it. You're a mad person. <laughs> um, but but it, it sucks that the game is so rigid that that's the only way you could possibly do that, right? Without having to do a second playthrough of an already extremely bloated game, which I would never, ever want to do. Um, yes. So, so, but now here's the, here's the problem. So I played Persona 3, 4, and 5, all of them, the first time without a guide. So my first playthrough, I just wanted to go in blind and, you know, be as efficient as I could, but ultimately I would just do things at my own pace and so on and so forth. And I think in the end that, that made for a much more enjoyable experience. Um, so the completionism thing, I don't necessarily... I want to knock on Persona for it, and I don't, because I'm, I'm obviously putting that on myself, right? Nobody's saying you need to see every single thing this game has to offer in one playthrough. That's something that I'm kind of imposing on myself. And I know for a fact when I don't have these, you know, self-impositions, I, I tend to have a better time with games. So this goes for, I think, most games in general, not kind of putting that completionist pressure on myself. Um but I do think Persona 5 is, is frustratingly rigid in its like how much flexibility it will let you have and how many quote-unquote mistakes you can make in your kind of management of your time. Uh, I, right. I think that they're just super unforgiving, and that's something I'd like to see change in the series in the future. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. Um, for, for games where... You know, what the hell am I trying to say? You know, we're willing to forgive a lot of things uh, in video games that don't make sense because at the end of the day, the game still has to be fun. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, game mechanics, the way a game mechanic works to be fun doesn't make a lot of sense. But one area where I would like these games to um, be a little more forgiving is, is time. Like, I understand that in the real world, opportunities come and go. But in my video game, I would just like to play at my pace and, like, not be locked out of some awesome thing because I missed some arbitrary fucking dialogue box somewhere. For sure. Um, like, I, I, it's okay. I will suspend my disbelief <laughs> to enjoy this video game. Like, that's not the area you have to get perfect. <laughs> right. Know, like, yeah. True to life, right? Yeah, yeah. That's a, a good point. Yeah, I don't need the true to life to start at, at you know, the, the time-sensitive nature of tasks. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, and again, one reason I love Xenoblade X so much is very few things that are missable and nothing that matters is missable right yeah this this is so one of my is one of my big complaints with with games in general is when i feel like i have to have a guide open to play them um and again this is you know i'm gonna mention this a lot but it's it's totally a personal thing right it's it's just part of my psyche that i i have this this terrible fomo right fear of missing out and i don't want to miss this awesome item or or like, God forbid, it's a character or something, right? Like this amazing character that I can permanently miss and never have in my party. Uh, like which knowing, has definitely happened. Yeah, which which, <laughs> and we'll talk about some examples. Um, but but knowing that that could happen is enough to like hamper my enjoyment of the experience too, right? Ideally, oh, for absolutely. me, a game one just doesn't have those missables that are of so so great importance, right? And two, they need to do a good job of in the game giving you enough clues and hints that you know those things are out there right, right. like yes. I, I don't like when they're so obscure that the only way i'd ever know about it is one either by complete accident 
or two, I looked it up online. I looked up a list of things I should I should not miss out on, right? So in my mind, ideally you can do both. You can let a player play the game at their own pace without feeling the constant need to look over their shoulder at a guide. And two, those those cool secret things that not necessarily every character is going to find or choose to go look for. You son of a bitch, your phone's on? No, I forgot to the The podcast is ruined. I, okay, I'm deleting my audio. We're starting over. Audio I'm gone. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, the 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 stuff that that is is your kind of cool secret stuff, which which is the reward in and of itself, right? Like, actually, this I'm gonna go back to Epic Name Bro again here. That that streamer who's great. Um, he said something the other day that I thought was a really good point. In that content is the greatest incentive and reward uh, as a gamer, right? more content more of that awesome game so like a new area new characters like that that content reward is the, is the best incentive and i thought that i think i agree with that i think that's a really good incentive but but if that's your incentive if, if your incentive is cool secret areas that you could otherwise miss pepper some fucking hints throughout the game that some anybody with any sort of attention span is going to be like oh that's something for me to look into later uh, as opposed to again just making them completely one-off like you, you'd never find this unless you went out of your way to look for it kind of things. You know what I mean? Right. Um, or if you're, if you're going to have missable things, because um, when, I, when I say missable, I mean something that is locked out from your playthrough. Yeah. Like if, if, there, if I missed some weapon because it's in this cave and I didn't go early enough so the entrance is sealed temporarily and later on I can come back with bombs or something. All right, so be it. I can still get the thing. Um, but so many old RPGs especially lock you out of like some of the best rewards in the game because you missed some fucking text box somewhere. Yeah, for sure. Um, and when you reach the end of your game and you don't get to have that awesome experience or climb this optional dungeon you fucking missed out on, it's like, well, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, my reward at the end here is not to experience this thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Now that, now that you've been made aware of it, you're like, oh, good. I, I'm happy to go put in the time to reach that content. And then the game's like, nope. No, you had to do it Can't back do there. Yes, yeah, so you had to do it there. So that all that hard work you we put you into didn't that talk. <laughs> you didn't talk to the maid in hour one. Are you fucking stupid? Yeah, it's almost. I almost see it as like a, like a tantrum. To like, oh fuck you. Yeah, I know. We put like fucking two weeks of work into that whole side thing, but you didn't bother to fucking look for it ten hours ago. Fuck you. Nope. You don't get to see if it. If you read her dialogue, you would know that she is a descendant of King Arthur, <laughs> and that's why she unlocks Excalibur. <laughs> <laughs> that NPC over there who you didn't talk to who looks exactly the same as the 10 other NPCs in this town? Yeah. Well, if you'd fucking talk to her, you'd know that. So you are a piece of shit. Um, yeah, it, it's just, it's it's a weird, it's a weird instinct. Um, I, I get sometimes logistically it can be tough, especially if you have like world-changing events in like RPGs, for example. Um, but but and then at least I would like for the game to say something like, hey, we're about to go do this thing, which you know we know is a big deal, and, and it might change the fabric of, of the world as we know it forever. So, are you sure you want to go, or do you want to? You know what I mean? Like some little wink at the player to say, "Hey, just a heads up, finish up your and shit." There are solutions to that too. Like, um, so I know some games. Like, I think uh, Secret of Grindia oh, yeah? is an NPC that does this. 
because there are moments like what you're talking about where you'll be locked out of an area because you've progressed with the story. But if you missed an item, there is an NPC who is like, oh, yeah, I gathered some of these things. Ah, yeah, yeah. Do, do you want to buy them? It's, uh, okay, perfect. The, my punishment for missing this is, is having to pay for it. Money farming. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, so be it. At least I don't miss on the thing or miss out on the thing entirely. Yeah, that's, that's really clever. That's a, a clever system. Um, but, yeah, it doesn't really solve, of course, the missing out on an entire story arc or something. Um, yeah. which is to me the most egregious right like there's this awesome cool side content that i just don't get to see because fuck you um so, so for me right. some examples of, of this would be so i talked a little bit about radiata stories um in our last podcast and how frustrated i was because there was a recruitable character who was super easy to miss and even with a guide it wasn't clear that i needed to talk to her at a very particular point um and, and what made it so frustrating is one the whole goal for me that playthrough was to recruit everybody. Two, um, the game itself did nothing to indicate that you should go talk to Jack's sister at particular points, right? If they did a simple, like, Jack wake up, wakes up one morning and says, man, I can't wait to tell whatever my sister's name is about this, I'd be like, oh, yeah, great, I've got to go talk to her. Good, I'll put in the time to do that. But no, it's just right. completely arbitrary bullshit. And then the last thing is, it's not like she disappeared from the game for me. She was still there at our childhood home, just sweeping the floor. She easily could have been recruited. Like there was nothing really stopping me from a like a world perspective, right? World building. It's not like she died, so I couldn't get her now because I didn't save her. It was just it's just I didn't talk to her one time at the right point. So you just you're never gonna ask her to join you. Which is so dumb. All that's really stopping you is one developer's unnecessary checkbox <laughs> yeah exactly right yeah and then another good example i think of, of a game that has an issue with the character recruitment aspect is is the sweet coden series who mm-hmm. i would just not be able to play without a guide i have to have a guide open because so, so again here's the thing right the, the the solution to not playing with the guide the alternative because these games don't do a great job of showing you where you need to go to get all these optional things is like backtracking every time there's some sort of story progression, backtracking yes. to every single area you've been to to make sure there's not a new character or NPC somewhere, talking to every single like it's too much of an undue burden on the player. Yeah, the the alternative to the guide is extreme tedium. Extreme tedium and a huge time investment, right? Like one, it would suck your enjoyment out of the game, and two, it would just take a ton of time. Um, so yeah, like again, ideally you you do it. You can do it without the guide because the game does a good enough job of, of either one just keeping track of little things, little hints it's given you that you should follow up on, or two just you know, and, and making sure that you you can't miss them permanently. Like that, that's the solution. Right. Um, but yeah, so those are two games that came to mind for me uh, as far as kind of missables and, and my completionism instinct hampering my enjoyment of, of those of those to a pretty significant degree. Um, I think you had a couple examples. What did you want to talk about, John? Um, Dragon's Dogma is a game I adore, and it definitely has some missable jank. Um, I also, before I even get into that, can you, um, you had a comment on Reddit that you, that we both really liked. Um, can sure. You, can you bring that up? Yeah, yeah. I'll, do you want me to read, I'll read both of them, actually, but the first one I think was our favorite. So, I, yeah, I did a little bit of, of searching just to see what the internet had to say on, on missables, and I quite like this take. Um, and it was that missables take me out of the immersion of the game. I just saw some guy who killed my family running left. But there's a passage to the right. Hmm, what if I never get the chance to come back to this place again? I'm going to go to the right, even though I should obviously, as a character, be chasing down the killer. 
Um, that's that's the first one. I like that a lot. <laughs> uh, I, I think I never really thought of it in those terms, or I've seen it articulated like that. But that's a great point. Um, and then the second one was was actually somebody on the counter to that. They said they they like missables because it emulates an aspect of real life, and that you can't have everything. Their example of that was uh, the Star Ocean series, where when you recruit a certain character, it locks you out of another character from joining. Um, I would argue that's a little bit different. Like that that's kind of intended to be missed there's no way you can have everything in that case right um and also we've kind of talked about not necessarily wanting this aspect of games to to emulate real life one-to-one that this is one place we'd be willing to suspend our disbelief happily um but but yeah back Um, to that that you know pacing and you know the guy who killed your family going left and you going right did you want to jump off that right yeah so in, in dragon's dogma right after out of the gate out of the first town um, there is a merchant being attacked by two goblins. Now, the game does not force you to intervene and save this guy. Um, if you want to, I guess, role-play an evil character, even though that's not really a thing in the game, um, you know, you, don't, you could just run right by this guy. You won't miss him because you didn't see him. Like, they have a cutscene, a very brief cutscene, where they show you he's being attacked, so you have time to get in there and intervene. Uh, and and it's fine. If you fail to save him, you'll miss out on a quest line. But it, it bothered me because there's no there's no recovery. What if what if you're like new to the the genre a little bit? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you're not super skilled with it. So you're gonna. What what if you fail to save him uh, out of like a lack of of skill? I guess as you're as you're acquainting yourself with the game. The only alternative is to start a brand new game in this open world sandboxy uh, game, I guess. But that that isn't enjoyable to me. Like, at least make it apparent. Um, I'm doing a bad job with Dragon's Dogma, but there there is some other jank I'm failing to remember because I haven't played that in so long. But um, it's definitely a game where a lot of these requirements are pretty obtuse. Um, you really got to kind of dig in there to like. Oh, I, that's why I couldn't do this because this minor thing didn't. Well, happen. yeah, that's a great example. How how are you to know that you're going to miss out on some cool armor set in the game that you'll never get anywhere else if you let that one NPC shopkeeper at the start of the game die? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I will say that at least they they make this one obvious. Of course, like, of course. He's being attacked. You 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 have time. It, it it's okay. That's kind of a bad example from my part. No, but no, it's not though because um, because the fact that he can die and that can be missed. It's just stupid. Like, why? Why is that the case it, that they would make that a completely missable set of armor? I, I suppose, yeah. I suppose you could say then, why is it missable to begin with? Like, why is it an option to miss this? Yeah. Um, like, let, let the punishment for letting him die be something else. Not you miss out on this armor forever. Especially especially <laughs> so early in the game. He also has a, a minor quest tied to him. So if you're trying to finish them all, then you missed out on Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, one reason I brought up Dragon's Dogma, though, is completionism and, and missables, to me, are, it extends to, like, um, gameplay and stat building to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and in Dragon's Dogma, when you gain a level, the stats you get for that level are dependent on what job you're playing at the time. So if you don't understand how the system works the first time you play and you decide to be a magic character, but you're playing as a fighter right now because you have better gear for that fighter, and you gain a few levels, you are missing out on very valuable magic points that will make your magic character better later. Right. Um, and 
when you know how that works, I, like, if you're like me, I can't help myself. I know I, I play as the thing I don't want to play f as for a long time because that will get me a, a better build for the thing I actually want to do. I find that very silly. Um, and it didn't need to be that way. They could have done something like Oblivion where when it's time to level up, you go rest and it gives you time to like prepare and get the, the bonus you want or something. Right. Or better than that, just make your stats change <laughs> when the job changes. Of course, of course. Um, we talked a little bit about this beforehand, and this, this like Fire Emblem was another example of, of um, both the completionism from the from the like character loss thing. I know you and I both play Fire Emblem in such a way that if somebody dies and you're playing with permanent death, you and I would both reload that save file, right? We'd be like, oh, no. We are safe scummers. Yeah, we're safe scummers. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to lose that character. I like that character. Um, when when in reality, I think if we just played it and let those those deaths happen naturally, it would probably end up being a more memorable experience. Like, you, you'd have a stronger memory of that event because the character you love died. Like, you know what I mean? Just from a storytelling perspective, you'd, you'd kind of create your own story and memory of the game where if you're just safe scumming and every single person makes it to the end... Well, it kind of seems like less of a harrowing journey, right? Yeah, it's definitely something that we're imposing on ourselves. Yeah. Um, yeah. But on the topic of the level up stats, too, so Fire Emblem's a good example of, you know, you can save scum for leveling because your leveling is random. Oh, yes. Everybody That's has right. a percentage chance of each particular stat increasing on level up. Uh, and if you get really serious about Fire Emblem and, and you know, min maxing, as completionists and stuff are often want to do, then you'll be doing tons of save scumming hoping for a particular level up. And I think there's there's a certain kind of curse of knowledge when it comes to video games when you when you dive too deep into the systems under the systems and how that could begin to hurt your enjoyment, right? Like like you said, I think before we were recording in Dragon's Dogma, somebody might play the game bouncing around jobs the whole time before they settle on one they really like, and not know that it hurt their stats. But at the end of the day, did it really change their enjoyment of the game? Probably not. Uh, right. But you knowing what you know. Well, now if you did that, you would the whole time at the back of your mind be like, "Oh fuck, I'm I'm totally fucking up my character stats right now. This is a waste of time." I do think it can come up pretty naturally, though. Where you know, if you're if you're really into RPGs, you might just ask yourself the question, "All right, I, I, you know what? I love the magic in this game. How do I build the strongest mage?" Of course. Well, yeah, you're right. That's that's not an unheard of thing to to think about, right? Yeah, and you dig into that a little bit, and you find out that to make that happen, you have to play the sorcerer the entire time. Right. That's two hundred, I guess, one hundred ninety-nine levels of playing that job because the stat growth for magic on them is the best. <laughs> yeah, John, I remember, I remember you yeah. and I opining and uh, in, in our Final Fantasy Eleven days that too many end game parties or higher level parties were really way too. They were slaves to the meta, right? They were way too into picking very particular jobs for a party because that was going to be the fastest way to level even if it you know was the difference of five ten minutes at the end of the day um right. and i think that we do end up kind of imposing this on ourselves in single player games pretty often we're, we're so worked up about the most efficient best possible mage i can make stat wise that that we kind of hamper ourselves and i don't regard. know if i would treat those as the same because um my development of my Dark Knight in Final Fantasy XI isn't missable. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, if we decide to tackle this challenge with a different party makeup and it doesn't work, we didn't we didn't lose anything. Well, you lost time. You know what I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah. a lot of time with that game. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah you you lost time on the attempt, but you might have had a good time and, and you can joke around about it with your friends, right? 
Um, whereas in a game like Dragon's Dogma, my playthrough is fucked. Right. Yeah, you know, or or in Fire Emblem, like okay, uh, as a little tangent there, random stat awards I've always found stupid. Agreed. Because agreed. Agreed. Of all the, of all the areas to like, are you telling me my character can't choose the, how he grows? Like, if I want strength, he, he can't lift weights in training camp or whatever. Sure. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> like, like, no, I killed seven sorcerers and got a luck point. Great. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't care for that at all. Um, yeah, like I don't treat the, the two the same just because. The, the, I still have the choice. Like, I, I always have the choice in Final Fantasy XI. Um, or rather, the, those people do. They, they Again, with this mindset, they force themselves into that meta play style. But they don't have to. Like, they, they the game did not force them to do that, kind of like the way the community evolved did. Yeah. Whereas in a single-player game like this, the game is making the choice for me. Right. Does it make sense? You know what I'm getting at? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do, I do still think there's a certain level of self-imposition of, of this, like, this insistence that your stats are, are the best that could possibly be, right? Because you could probably still beat the game and have a good time, even if you hadn't maxed out your sorcerer's magic ability, right? Oh, I, I definitely agree with your, your self-imposed point. I, I guess um, that example just bothers me less because the, the game didn't force it. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, yeah, a- any other things you wanted to say? Any other games in particular you wanted to highlight as far as, like, missables and completionism that... that have always rubbed you the wrong way? Uh, a game I love that... Uh, I, well, I'll bring up two examples. Two, two games I actually love. Um, one is Chrono Cross and you know, not recognizing that Glenn was recruitable. Oh, God, <laughs> the biggest mistake ever, man. Glenn is fucking awesome. Yeah, he's the best. Immediately, when I learned you could get him, I started a new playthrough. <laughs> um, uh, and also Shadow Hearts 2. Shadow Hearts 2, I learned recently that uh, I was wrong about this. My memory of this was a lot worse than how it actually is. But uh, what I thought was there's an accessory in there that you can get um, that uh, I thought to unlock the requirement was you couldn't miss any of the critical hit areas in their timed hit system. So when you're in battle and it's your turn and you choose an attack, uh, you get a ring um, on the screen that has like um, a little arm circling around the thing and if you hit the button when it's in a red zone that's a critical hit that's the best you can do with that that timed hit um i thought you weren't allowed to drop any of those to unlock this thing it turns out your your hit rate for that has to be 65 percent before you get here and i think that you have a chance to repair that uh if it's too low when you finally do get there so it, it may not even necessarily be a true missable um one day I'd like to find out for sure if that's the case, but that worked out better than I had imagined. Right. <laughs> the trauma of missing it. it worked my <laughs> <mind>. <laughs> uh, that's pretty much it for me, though. Chrono Cross is the best example I can like um, for for like party members, for example, that I can remember. Right? Yeah, yeah. Chrono Cross. It also makes you choose between certain ones, though, right? Like you, you can't get everybody in a single playthrough, can you? It, that's true, but at the same time, that, that rarely is that apparent. No, I, I know. Um, I, I just wanted to confirm for myself, though, that that is the case, right? Like, often, oh, yeah. often yeah. taking if you make certain choices, yeah. okay. uh, you won't get you won't get other party members. Yeah. I, I think I'm fairly certain that's the case. Yeah, and, and again, so, um, so that some of the requirements are as usual, fucking super up. Yeah, super. You'd never know unless you read it on a guide somewhere, right? Like, yeah, it's it just kind of it's a, it's a weird decision, especially when. 
like give, give players the choice of pursuing in those instances the characters they they would most like to have right make it obvious to them if they're going to lock out glenn permanently <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. Um, especially because he's clearly supposed to be like chrono cross's version of frog as a human which is fucking so cool right why the hell would you want to miss that so cool um I think on the topic of completionism and, and missables, we've kind of said our piece. My, my main thing here is, one, missables in general just I don't think should be a thing as much as possible, especially of consequence, right? So characters, story beats, stuff like that. Just make it all, make it so I can find it later on, at least if I miss it initially, and just do a good job of, of hinting towards it and letting me kind of find it organically through my experience with the game without necessarily having to put a giant you know, marker in my map. Of course, this is, right. I'm sure, difficult and not so simple as just doing it. You know, crafting this in an interesting and, and uh, you know, tasteful way is, is probably much harder than I'm, I'm giving them credit for, but it's definitely what I like to see the most. But on the completionism side, too, I, I do think it's, it's something I wish I didn't have so much of, a, of an affinity for. You mentioned, again, before we were recording, I thought a really good point that as kids, this was never really a thing, right? As a kid, you're just fucking flying by the seat of your pants, just so happy to play a Japanese RPG because they were so rare at the time that you're just like, yeah, every moment of this is heaven, and you didn't even think about what you might be missing. Um, But for some reason, as we've gotten older, and I think part of this is the advent of the internet, right, being able to look everything up, uh, it's really hard not to, it's really hard to fight those urges nowadays. For sure, Uh, and part of it is time, you know, as you get older and you take on more responsibilities and you don't i don't want to play persona 5 again you know what i mean no no i know i know what you mean <laughs> there are many many games to experience i i'd like i'd like to get my fill of this one and then move on and ideally i would like to experience everything a game has to offer um, if the game doesn't help me do that then shit <laughs> yeah for sure um, also, I've been using obtuse wrong the whole time. I think I mean to say opaque. No, no, obtuse is right. <laughs> obtuse is right. Yeah, like like opaque, opaque. I think they have kind of a similar meaning. Obtuse is like in an unclear, vague manner. Um, like you, oh, perfect. Yeah, yeah. No, you're, you're right. You're definitely right. Um, all right. Well, we won't edit this part out. You can all see how dumb I am in real time. No, no. This is a good learning opportunity for everyone. Nice little language lesson on <laughs> obtuse and opaque. Opaque is when something is like. Not clear, right? So, like, uh, if a window's so dirty you can't see through it, you could say that's opaque. Um, but then, of course, it can be used as kind of a uh, a metaphor to say something is unclear, like a a, a, a topic or a concept. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's uh, that's the new segment, by the way. Jake and John's, Jake and John's, Kyle and John's, Christ. Oh my! God. I don't. I just called myself <laughs> Jake. What the hell? That's some weird Freudian shit right there. Um, <laughs> We're almost two hours in. We're coming off the rails here. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, this is yeah. Sorry, that was uh, Kyle and John's uh, language corner. You can look forward to that segment at the uh, as the penultimate segment going forward and the rest of our podcast. Um, but we should just start work. We should just start working in the the inappropriate usage of some words. We should. Oh yeah, <laughs> and then at the end of the pod, be like, now that was an example of how not to use. <laughs> You know, that fucking quest requirement is really polymorphic. <laughs> it doesn't need to be that way. It doesn't need to be so polymorphic. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really good, dumb idea. Um, all right, we wanted to finish off talking a little bit about some, some game news. I think we'll, we had two topics here, but given how long this has gone, I think I'll just keep it to, to the PlayStation Showcase for today. The news. The news. News. 
Um, cool. So this this past week on Thursday of last week, uh, the, there was a big PlayStation showcase where they said they had a bunch of new games to show. Uh, I'd say overall it was a pretty good one. Um, I'll kind of just go through some of the biggest announcements and we can maybe react a little bit to some of those. Uh, I'd say the one that actually surprised me the most was the Knights of the Old Republic remake. Um, so that, of course, being the old Bioware kind of Western RPG set in the Star Wars universe, but set, I think, a thousand or ten thousand years before the the movie. So so they really got to play with the lore uh, however they wanted to, and, and they built a lot of really cool Star Wars lore. It's, it's definitely a fan-favorite Star Wars game, and, and I have some pretty fond memories of it back in the day, but I, I never did beat it. I was really shocked that they're doing a proper, like, ground-up remake of this game. I think that has a lot of people really excited. Oh yeah, um, my girlfriend is a massive Kotor fan, and she was she was over the moon to hear that. Nice. I imagine many Star Star Wars fans are just super excited for that. Yeah, one. I think now everybody will just have to wait with bated breath to see, you know, what kind of treatment is this remake getting? Are they doing a lot of, you know, <laughs> scenario rewriting? Are they changing? Like, because that's that's you know, of course, going to scare some people. It definitely scared me for Final Fantasy VII remake, and rightly so. Um, yes, yeah, remakes of, of things I love are always uh, always a gamble. Always a gamble. Yeah. Hopefully this turns out um, the way people want it to. Yeah. It was just a, it was a teaser trailer for the record, but they didn't show really anything um, aside from a quick little shot of, of a, a certain dark clad character with a red lightsaber. Um, not what, not Darth Vader. Rem- remake? Was it remake or remaster? It is remake. It is remake. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so it'll be a pretty big. It's a pretty big deal. So we'll, we'll see what they end up doing with it. And again, like even gameplay wise, right? The old one's pretty. It's a little bit clunky looking back on it now. They could smooth it out, but it's it's very like kind of D and D esque uh, in that there's you know roles for success happening behind the scenes, um, turn based in a well, sense. This was this was the Star Wars sandbox people wanted, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So um, you know the role playing opportunity within the Star Wars universe. I know they're from what I can tell. Uh, I'm not terribly huge on star wars but what i can tell there isn't really a lot of of like um rpg opportunities for star wars fans no definitely not yeah so it's it's definitely unique in that sense and, and people have have since you know kotor 2 which had some development problems and i believe was never really able to be properly finished which you can tell towards the end of the game God damn. um you know people have really hope been hoping for more kotor in the future so this is a start you know it's a remake it's not something new per se but hopefully it, it reinvigorates and maybe we'll get some new stuff eventually um, they showed Spider-Man 2, the, the Insomniac game, the sequel to the, the Spider-Man on, on PS4, which was uh, a game you and I both really enjoyed. Oh, yeah, that was so fun. Yeah, I love that game. Um, Spider-Man 2 has fucking Venom in it, which has me really excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm stoked to see what happens there. Yeah. I, uh, I think Insomniac has proven they've got a pretty good track record, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm very hopeful that Spider-Man 2 is going to be awesome. It's not until 2023 though so fuck yeah that, that hurts man if that, may, if that means it's good then so be it of course yeah it's always worth waiting but it almost like I don't know I just I just wish as an industry they were that they able, wouldn't announce yeah it that they soon. were able to hold their cards closer to their chest I, I get like clearly clearly this means though you know they're, they're big they're big games they don't have a whole lot in the next two years, right? What they showed at that showcase was probably like like it for their huge releases, first party releases. Right. So the fact that it's coming out twenty twenty three, I guess probably because they don't have so much more to show. But yeah, it looks it looks really great. I'm sure it's gonna play amazingly and, and I can't wait to swing around New York again. Um Sweet. we saw a new IP. I think it had actually been mentioned before, but it was the first time I'd seen it, which was Project Eve. 
Uh, before that, though, while we're on Insomniac, we should talk about. Wolverine. Oh yeah, you're right. That's so yeah. Good, good call. Fuck off, Project Eve. Nobody cares about you right now. Um, <laughs> Insomniac to the and this is I'd say the other big surprise of this of this uh, showcase is developing a standalone Wolverine game. Uh, it looks like it's ex- exclusive for PS5, as, as far as I can tell from the news releases. Maybe that'll be a timed exclusive. Who knows? Um, it was another teaser trailer, so we didn't see any gameplay. We saw we saw Wolverine sitting at a bar with a bunch of people beat the shit up, and his hands all bloody. And then somebody come up behind him with a knife, and then he uh, his his claws come out, and then they, they drop the title card. But I I'm really I think this is going to be stellar. I I think they're going to do a great job. I'm less excited for this one. Um, I, I feel like Insomniac will nail it because they just seem to understand how superhero games should work. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm not the biggest Wolverine fan, and I'm a little Logan'd out after <laughs> you know the X Men movies and the Logan movie and all the terrible Wolverine movies. Um, Fair enough. He definitely I, has gotten I, a lot of attention. I, honestly, I just yeah. don't. Yeah, I just don't find him that interesting. Yeah, honestly. maybe this will be the game to change your mind. That could right? be. Like, like, I'm definitely gonna try it. Yeah, the, the Arkham games for me were like like I always liked Batman, but Arkham is what really made me like holy shit, I fucking love Batman. Um I did not expect to enjoy Arkham Asylum as much as I did, but that game was fucking great. Yeah, it, it just did a super great job of, of you know exposing you to Batman lore. So if this if this is the same mm-hmm. thing for Wolverine, um I think it'd be cool. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm. Yeah, well, maybe this will maybe this will change my my mind. I'll give it a shot for sure. I'm also optimistic because the I saw something on Twitter the other day. Everybody's speculating about just how violent this game is going to be, and the the trailer <laughs> on a, a European website was uh, was rated as as M, and I think Insomniac had something to do with the rating of that trailer, uh, in that region. So I, I, people are speculating that it's it's going to be a bit more of a, a gorier kind of mature game than Spider-Man, for example. And I hope that's the case. I think that'd be a cool I hope so because you have claws that you're yeah, stabbing. Yeah, you have people. literal stab claws. So yeah, and they they can either do the the X Men '90s cartoon route where you're just fighting Sentinels all the time, uh, or yeah, I'm actually gonna oh, yeah. I'm actually gonna cut some people open. So it looks it looks every uh, time you stab someone, it's a fade to black. Yeah, <laughs> every like yeah, that's a terrible idea. I hope they do it. Um, it's a slideshow, not a game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so moving on from Insomniac, who's got lots of cool stuff in the works. Um, for the record, they're also the studio that does uh, Ratchet and Clank, and the new Ratchet and Clank was was really quite good. I, I'd recommend it for sure. Um, oh, nice. Project Eve was the was the new new game for me, anyways. Again, I think they've mentioned it before. Uh, I don't remember the name of the studio doing it. I think it, oh, it's it's Studio Shift Up. I think is that right? Uh, I'm not sure actually. Okay, we, well we don't need to look it up, but I th- I'm pretty certain it's shift up. the The studio, this is the one that they bought everybody those PS fives, right? Yeah, yeah, you sent me. That yeah, actually. the CEO of this cool. of this game studio, after getting their their game shown at the PlayStation Five showcase as a celebration, bought his entire like team PlayStation fives. I think it was like 260 units of PS fives. Excuse me, which ends up being a huge number, so that was pretty cool. But the the game looks like a that's, that's nuts. <laughs> a very uh, also nuts that he found that many of them. But anyways, yeah. Right. Um, the the game uh, looks like a very bayonetta esque kind of action game. It stars a, a very pretty girl doing some badass shit with big weapons. Um, it looked cool. Uh, the 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 um, the style was very interesting. Very like some body horror enemies that kind of thing. Um, yeah, the the setting that they were showing off definitely um, 
got my interest. I'm, I'm excited to see what comes out of that one. Um, and the the artwork is Hyung Tai Kim, I think is his name. And um, Blade and Soul was in the news for quite a while as like the new hotness in the MMO world for a while. Oh, so okay. If you've seen that, I'm fairly certain he's behind the art for that too. Cool. Um, and once you see it, you won't be able to unsee it. He, like his the guy makes a living drawing beautiful people. Cool. Oh, very <laughs> cool. Um, that's Project Eve. We also saw a bit more of the game Forspoken, which they kind of teased a little, like a year or two ago right. now. Um, that's a Square Enix game. Uh, it, it Initially on, on first reveal, like a year or two ago, it, it looked like kind of just a straight up interesting fantasy setting. Uh, but it's kind of a, there's a, name for, there's a name for this when a character is taken from modern day and, and brought back to a fantasy world that either parallels their own or is in a different time period, but I forget it. But that's what this is. She, so your main character comes from modern day New York. They showed her at the, the Holland Tunnel, um, and then she gets kind of sucked into this, this fantasy world and starts doing some fucking cool looking magic. The way that she moves around in the trailer looks really, really interesting to me. Um, more and more with like... 3D action games, third-person action games particularly, movement has, for me, is such a key thing. If it's not fun to move around your world, uh, it's kind of just a big letdown. So I I think that they're going to capitalize and and deliver a pretty cool movement system. It looked very good based on the trailer anyways. Yeah, it looked pretty interesting. Um, Definitely want to know more about it. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully the story is decent. Yeah. looks like a pretty giant world to play around with. So. Yeah, I'm not typically... Um, I think the word you're looking for was isekai, is that it? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's the Japanese Yeah, that's the Japanese for it, where a character kind of goes to a different world. That's that's not their own. Yeah, the, the isekai, definitely. Um, it's like a whole subgenre. Yeah, it is. Um, I'm not typically the biggest fan of, of isekai stuff, where, where your character, especially when the character comes from, like, present day and is dropped in as this, like, fish out of water into a, an older setting. I'm, it's not my favorite. Sure. Um trope i guess but but yeah i'm definitely pretty optimistic based on the trailer it looks cool so i'm excited to see more with that um ghostwire tokyo which is another game i'd say similar in the exposure it had had uh to forespoken before this event we saw a little bit more of it uh another cool looking like kind of horror-esque first person action game um it was hard to get a very good sense of exactly what the game is about or or what your goal is going to be but it, it looked like a pretty pretty cool setting like it's it's tokyo but kind of a cyberpunk horror tokyo and the the action they showed was all kind of like first person it reminded me of death loop a bit actually that game that just released this week so right yeah yeah definitely uh, got my attention like I, I fucking love horror like if you give me some fucked up lore to read about and experience in your game world i will play your game yeah for sure <laughs> uh, i look pretty cool from what we saw hopefully it lives up to that yeah definitely um, and the last thing was uh, they ended on uh, the God of War uh, sequel, God of War Two, God of War Ragnarok, which um, I'm a huge fan of the first, like the 2018 God of War by by directed by Corey Barlog. I'm a little bit disheartened to see that he's not directing the sequel. He's been very vocal about his successor Eric Williams being great and involved heavily in the first game and in previous God of War entries. So based on the trailer, I think it looks fantastic. That uh, you know. The combat, the action's still going to be buttery smooth, I'm sure. Uh, story in the first game was really one of the standouts to me, though. Like the the story they presented was was excellent. It was paced super well. the The world that you're in, the the different, you know, the nine realms of of uh, Norse mythology was just super cool. So I, I'm excited to see more of that. And this apparently is going to kind of end out the the Norse storyline as well, um, which I'm glad about. They're not going to 
they're not forcing this into a trilogy. They have a story to tell, and two games was enough to do it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very optimistic on this one. No surprise. Um, John, do you have any thoughts on the God of War at all? Uh, I did not finish the first one. I really enjoyed what I played, and I definitely need to go back and finish that. Um, the trailer looked great. Uh, hopefully it lives up to the first one from what I've seen of it. Uh, I know you loved it, and the reviews were amazing too. Mm-hmm. I feel like the, the God of War team has just like like really hit their stride, so I'm not really worried about the quality of this one. Yeah, you know, same. I, I, think, I think it's going to be very good, so can't wait for that. I think that's supposed to be out next year yet, so... We're not too far away from next year games. Fucking Elden Ring in January. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. I have to track down a PS5. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I told you, you should have just got a fucking job at Project Eve Studios or Shift Up Studios. Got the free PS5 and then peaced out. Damn. Just stupid idiot. <laughs> I missed my chance. Missed my... I should have learned Korean. <laughs> I hate missables in real life. God damn it. <laughs> Fuck. Can I start over? Um, yeah, so that's kind of it for the PlayStation Showcase. I'd say it was a pretty strong showing. Um, uh, yeah, I, I'm glad I'm glad to have the PS5. I think there's going to be lots of good games coming in the next couple of years. So, uh, Kenna Bridge, Bridge of Spirits is out in like a week's time. I'm very curious about that. It almost looks too good to be true to me. I'm like really I'm really wary that this game is going to actually live up to my expectations. It looks beautiful. Like it has some pretty interesting looking combat with like dodge mechanics and parrying like. I don't know. I'm, I'm, it looks really I'm cool. intrigued. So yeah, hopefully that's good. We'll probably end up talking about that in a couple of weeks. But uh, anything else you wanted to say before we end the longest podcast yet? Uh, do you intend to try Deathloop? I intend to try Deathloop. I I already impulse bought Tales of Arise this month. I probably shouldn't impulse buy too many full price games right now, um, especially because there's so much coming out. We've got Metroid next month. I was just telling you about this the other day. Um, I I do kind of want to get the the Pokemon. Pearl and Diamond, one of the remakes on the Switch, just because it's a generation I didn't play much of, and, and my girlfriend and I would like to maybe play through that together. So there, there's lots on the horizon. Um, so I don't know. That, that loop is definitely on my radar. Uh, I have a friend playing through it right now who's kind of giving me his, his thoughts as he goes, so I'll probably base it a bit on how he feels about it too. But it's been getting incredible reviews and tons of positive chatter on Twitter too. So yeah, I definitely want to try it. Cool. Uh, nope, that's it for me. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for uh, for tuning in to to again the longest podcast we've done yet. I uh, I don't know what we're gonna do our next one on. Maybe John will have to start playing some Final Fantasy VII remake soon. Oh God. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have been okay. We won't go into that too much, but I have been dreading that. So <laughs> I, I love. We'll see. I, what, it's interesting because we'll you're you're um you're gonna be going into it with such a different perspective the second time around because. And I kind of was too, right? The first time I was excited and hopeful, and then the second time I was—I knew I didn't really like it, and I was going into it very critically. And in the end, I right. think that was a positive thing. So I'm interested to see how you going into it with just absolute dread is going to paint your experience. It might—it might help. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I want to I, again. We—I feel like I've given this game a fair shot to hook me. We played for like ten or twelve hours together. Yeah. Um, but yes, I, I will try it again. Maybe through this awesome podcast personal growth I'll like it more <laughs> <laughs> uh, John we are we are dangerously quickly approaching the maxing out of your and I social link so very soon this podcast is going to come to an end <laughs> because we'll have no reason to talk to each other anymore but we have to have, every one year anniversary of this has to have a, a new social link rank <laughs> that's a great idea so okay. you got 
You've got nine years to enjoy this podcast. For Perfect. Us. Yeah, because we, we would have got rank one when we started the podcast because that would have unlocked the social link. Yep. Yeah. What, what social link are we? What confidant are we? Uh, we're the branching path. The branch. That's lame. That's the lamest thing you've ever said. All right. We'll end it on that. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good couple weeks. All right. See you guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Branching Path Podcast. Check us out on Twitter at BranchPathPod or just search Branching Path Podcast. Check out our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash branchingpathpodcast. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and on our RSS website, which is rss.com slash branchingpathpodcast. Thanks again for listening. Take care.